Welcome to the 126th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on April 10th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. I am 50% of this show, and I am also slightly congested because I'm recovering from the flu. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How are you doing, Corey? I am doing well. I am happy to report that I am not congested and I am not recovering from the flu. But my I'm... <laughs> my hopes and dreams and wishes are with you, and I wish you a swell recovery. Thank you, thank you. Already feeling better. I was sick for about a week. That's why we uh, delayed the show, in case anyone's wondering. Um, I just, before we get uh, recording, I do want to apologize in advance if I... Uh, break into a coughing fit or anything like that, you know, please excuse me, folks. I'm doing my best, um, but I am feeling pretty okay. Pretty okay. So before we go further, uh, just a quick reminder to everyone that our usual banter section comes after the show. If you want to hear more from us, it's not necessarily game-related. Stay tuned after the music for extra content. And before we get to the actual main event of the show, um, a spoiler warning. We are going to be deep diving and completely spoiling everything to do with FAR Lone Sales. We discussed it last episode. I talked about it. Corey had not played it at that time. Corey has now played it and finished it. So we are going to be ripping it apart, talking about it from A to Z at the end of the show. We will give you a huge warning right before we talk about it. But this is your pre-warning warning. This is a warning that a warning is coming. So, uh, like I said, it'll be the last segment. Uh, Corey, I'm sure, will have the timestamps in the notes, as he always does. Uh, and the rest of the show will be, as always, spoiler-free. Uh, sound okay to you, Corey? Sounds like a plan. I also want to clarify that when you said that we will be... I can't remember if you said tearing it apart or ripping it apart. That does not mean we're going to be saying bad things, everybody. Um, that was just oh, no, no way yeah. of saying that we're going to be discussing it in depth. <laughs> yes, thank you for the clarification. No, I, I strongly doubt that we will be ripping it apart as in speaking negatively. I love that game, and I would be very surprised if Corey did not at least think it was okay. So we'll get to it. We will get to it. Uh, but we do have a couple of quick hits before we get into some of the Meteor stuff. Uh, Corey, uh, let's start off the show proper now. I believe we have two initial, maybe three topics for this segment. Would you like to, uh, to kick us off here? I would love to kick us off for this. Um, so I just wanted to give a minor report that about... I don't even know, several shows ago, I'll say, maybe like five shows ago, I had played a VR game called Singularity 5, and I had talked about it on the show. I actually might have talked about it twice now that I think about it in like uh, a couple of shows. Um, for those that don't remember, or maybe you didn't listen to that episode, it's a VR wave shooter. Um, it has really impeccable design. Um, it looks incredible. Um, I had described it at the time of looking very sort of like Alexander McQueen-esque. Uh, he's a very famous fashion designer. Um, and and, it, and I also talked about having a great soundtrack. And something that I love is whenever games have good soundtracks, because I am one of those people who will, if the game's soundtrack is good enough, I will just listen to it like when I'm in my office working, uh, like at work or in my home office at home, or if I'm on the road or whatever. And it doesn't have to be music with lyrics or whatever. Like if it's just good music, I, I like that. So I had Googled the name of the game, and this is one of those weird things I run into every once in a while, and we've talked about this on the show before, about like 
playing like indie ass indie games because obviously if you're playing like a triple a game it's not hard to find information about it but this game is not i mean i would say with confidence and i don't mean this to be rude that this game is not very popular like you I, I don't like. I imagine that a lot of people have not heard of this game outside of the show. Um, but I'm thankful that they reached out and gave us a code so that I could play it because I did. I didn't love it, but I it has very good parts to it. So speaking of the soundtrack, so I had talked on the show about liking the soundtrack. It's kind of groovy. It's kind of got this weird like, kind of like ethereal like, almost like R and B grooviness. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's very cool. And I had Googled, I tried to Google the game. I had Googled like Singularity 5 soundtrack, Singularity OST. Um, I had looked on the developers page. They're called Monochrome Paris. I had like scoured their development page to see if I could find anything about it. And I could not find anything. And I thought, man, this is such a drag because I wanted to see if the artist had any other work out there. I didn't even know who the musical artist is. They don't even say who it is, Um, you know, to see if the album was available or anything. And I could not find anything. So finally... Um, which is maybe what I should have done in the beginning is I just went straight to the source and I was on Steam and on uh, Steam on PC, every game that's for sale has a discussion page and more often, I don't visit the discussion page often. It's basically just like a discussion board for people to talk about the games. But a lot of times, especially with indie devs who, you know, the, the team is not a million people or whatever, um, they will like get in on the comments and chat with people or they will answer questions or whatever. So I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in me asking? So I started a new discussion board on the Singularity 5 discussion page and I said, hey, I love the soundtrack. <clears throat> kind of makes me wish this game were some kind of like rhythm shooter. Um, is the soundtrack available anywhere? You know, can I buy it? Is it up? I don't know. And um, the lovely people at Monochrome Paris answered within a couple of days and they were like, yeah, it, we have a SoundCloud page. So I don't know how I did not find the SoundCloud page. It must be buried under, you know, Google search results, you know, way down. Um, so I'm here to report that I don't, I don't know if anybody's even played this game that's listening to the show or if you're interested in cool, groovy video game music. Um, Singularity does have the soundtrack on SoundCloud. So I think if you go to SoundCloud and just search for Monochrome Paris, uh, you'll find it. Um, it doesn't have that many plays. As a matter of fact, probably most of the plays are me listening to it. Um, because <laughs> I mean, when I went to it, there's only like six or seven songs. Um, because there's like one song for each level, and there's only five levels. And then I think there's like a title screen song and maybe like a credit song or something like that. Um, but there's like a couple of songs in particular that I'm like head over heels for, and one of them is called. Um, let me look at my iTunes real quick because I can't remember the name of it. Um, one of them is, uh, it's called West Fallen, and it's for Chapter 3, which is in parentheses after it. And then the next one is called The Bridge, which is for Chapter 2. I really like those. Um, so if you're interested, the music is on SoundCloud. It is free. The even cooler thing is that you can download the music on there for free. Because if you own a SoundCloud, every time you publish a song, you can set if you want people to be able to download it or not. And a lot of musical artists don't let you download music on SoundCloud because then all the music is free and they're not like getting money or benefiting. Usually they just put like clips of songs there, let you demo them. They don't let you download them. And then their music is on like iTunes or Spotify or whatever. But Monochrome Paris has put all their music from the Singularity 5 on SoundCloud. It's all for free. You can download it. I already have it in iTunes. I already have it on my phone because um, I transfer the music over into my iTunes account. So big thumbs up to Monochrome Paris. I'm really pleased that they have the music out there. I'm really pleased they got back to me. And 
I am just keeping my fingers crossed that they actually make a cool rhythm wave shooter in the future. I don't know that they probably never actually will, but that's like my secret hope and desire. Um, but that is my big housekeeping note for the show. Excellent. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I uh, I know that you were really a big fan of the songs. Um, the game does not interest me at all, but I might check into that. I, uh, I like a good tune every now and then. I'm I probably, I mean, honestly, it might sound kind of weird, but I probably listen to game music more often than to listen to real music. But, uh, <laughs> well, is, yeah, I'll check the it question out. is, is game music fake music then? I think music is music, as far as I think. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, mean said, you said game music versus real music. <laughs> I mean, I get, oh, okay, it's okay. Sorry, my bad, my bad. I, I even, I said that unconsciously, wasn't even thinking about it. But I mean, okay, game music as opposed to traditional non-game, you know, radio meant for radio or meant for what you know what i mean i'm just giving you a hard time oh man i'm getting roasted over here help me out god (laughs) okay uh we do have a another thing i have one thing to talk about but you could probably lead off on this other thing you want to talk about the dlc oh i'd love to um uh, yes so resident evil 2 which is a game that has been loved on this podcast um brad and i have not done a deep dive on it yet but we will soon um People, in the midst of all of this debate going around social media on should every game have an easy mode, should every game have accessibility options, I don't want to rehash that because, like, Brad and I have talked at length about our ideas on accessibility in games and, like, all that stuff. But out of nowhere, and I love when video game companies do this, um, Capcom, who develops Resident Evil 2 and the other Resident Evils, most of them, um, they just kind of, like, tweeted out of nowhere. They're like, oh, hey... Uh, today we have DLC out for Resident Evil 2. It is a $5 DLC, and it basically, if you buy it, you unlock all the special weapons in the game. So it gives you, it's like the stuff, it's all the special weapons, and it's all the game modes, and it's all the costumes. So it's like, you, there are certain things, I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or not yet, but there are certain conditions in which you have to beat the game in a certain amount of time on certain difficulty levels to unlock certain weapons. Like, I think on standard mode, you have to beat it in, like, less than, like, three or four hours, and you get an unlimited, uh, like, knife, and then if you beat it under X hours on, like, scenario B, then you get the unlimited pistol. I unlocked the unlimited knife and the unlimited pistol on my own. Um, There is an unlimited submachine gun that I really wanted, but you have to beat hard mode in under like three and a half hours, and I beat it in like three hours and 45 minutes, and I was really mad about that. Um, But this DLC gives you all of that. It gives you the unlimited pistol, the unlimited knife, the unlimited submachine gun, an unlimited Gatling gun, and an unlimited rocket launcher. And all you have to do is pay the $5, download the DLC, and I think $5 is super reasonable for this. Like, I don't think that's absurd. I don't think it's too expensive. $5 is, like, right on the mark. And whenever you get to the first item chest in the game, you get all that stuff is in the item chest waiting for you. And... Um, It also unlocks the Hunk and the Tofu game modes, which you unlock Hunk, I think, after you beat the game the first time. And then you have to beat the Hunk mode. I don't know if you have to beat it in a certain amount of time, but you beat it, and then you unlock the Tofu mode. I had not unlocked the Tofu mode because I think the Hunk mode is really hard. It's very arcadey. It's very action-packed. It's very difficult for a player like me. Um, But yeah, Capcom, if you played Resident Evil, or if you haven't, or if you're scared to play Resident Evil, um, and you want more weapons or whatever... You can pay $5 and you can get all the weapons in the game, including unlimited ammo weapons, which basically makes the game, like, super easy. This is amazing. I love this DLC, dude, because uh, I got through Leon's campaign just fine. And then I got halfway through Claire's campaign and I just, like, 
I kind of just fell off of it. I mean, I don't know what happened. I think I got busy. I think I was still working at the theater or whatever. Uh, other games came out, review responsibilities, life, et cetera, et cetera. But it just wasn't compelling enough for me to like keep pushing through. I mean, we can talk about that on a different episode or whatever. But when I heard about this DLC, I was like, oh my God, yes. Like, absolutely yes. Because, I mean, how fun is that? That's that's fun to me. Like, I, I don't like the struggle and the whole like, conserving your your three measly bullets and running away and hopefully you find an herb or some shit like i mean that's fine i'm not i'm not criticizing it but like at this point in my life i'm just not really up for that like i just want to have some some fun you know and so like the promise of like unlimited gatling gun to rip up these goddamn zombies that were pissing me off all the way through leon's campaign absolutely i will pay <laughs> five bucks for that 100 percent yes I like ran to my PS4 and I'm like, yes, Capcom, take my, take my Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to download this thing right now. And I did jump back into it. It was really fun. The Gatling gun is as fun as you think it would be. Rips zombies up in like two seconds. I, uh, the last time I played, I was trying to get one of the medallions from the top of the, the police station and fucking Mr. X would not get off of my tip. He just like kept coming up there and coming up there and coming up there. I could not get five fucking seconds for him to leave me alone so I could do that puzzle. And so I ran up there with the Gatling gun this time and he came up, sure enough, right on my ass. And I'm like, well, let's see what's going to happen now. <laughs> fucking bust out that Gatling gun. I put like a hundred rounds into his fucking head and he like falls over <laughs> and he's, he's not dead of course, but like he's knocked out and I'm like, ha, showed you motherfucker. See, it's a power of five bucks can do. So I ran, got the thing and like, you know, just started booking it through. I blazed through, got to uh, William Birkin, the next boss. Killed him in like two rocket launcher hits. It was, he just <laughs> shows up and I like, ha, take this. And like he just goes shooting off the edge and he's dead. And it's it's such a good time, dude. It's such a good time. I didn't finish all the rest of the game, but I will totally come back and finish the rest of it. And it did unlock the tofu mode. I jumped into that because back in the day, I mean, I beat Resident Evil 2 100%. I did everything. I got all the ranks. I unlocked everything legit. Did the hunk mode, did the tofu mode, did all that stuff back in the day. So, like, I don't feel guilty about anything right now. And and you shouldn't because it's fun. Like, games are fun. Like, they're not they're not all art pieces. They're not all examinations of the human condition. I think it's totally legit to say, I want to have fun with a game. And let me tell you, that extra five bucks got me a lot of fun with this game. <laughs> I was loving it. Fucking loving it. So, I will do the hunk mode as that was what I was actually most excited about. I wanted to do that because I like hunk as a character the Boba Fett of Resident Evil. Uh, and I will do the other side stories we talked about. So it kind of gave me, me new life with this game, dude, because I mean, I would have gotten back to it, but it just became really easy to not come back to it. But now that that, those weapons are in there, I don't fear anything. I'm just running through. It's just, it's just fun. It's simply just fun. Um, I don't feel the need to prove myself. I don't feel like less of a gamer. I think it's a really good time. And I'm really glad that Capcom put this out because uh, I tweeted this the other day. And I know that a lot of people, you know, maybe agreed or maybe didn't didn't agree or whatever. But my, my tweet basically was like, you know, as a kid, I maybe would have fought this harder because I had infinite time. I thought I was going to live forever. I had no stress in my life. So maybe replaying a game 27 times is sounds like a good thing when I was like maybe 12. But now that I'm 40, you know, the end of life is like on the horizon, dude. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel the, the finality of being a human being. You know, I feel a lot of stress because of work responsibilities. Got a family, got a wife. You know, I, the thought of trying to play something 15 times to get to unlock something 
that's just doesn't hold any appeal for me anymore. Just not at all. Different phase of life, right? So to pay five bucks to just jump to the good stuff was super okay with me. And and for people who don't want to do that, you can still unlock it for free. It's still in there. Like you don't need to pay any extra money. So I mean, to me, this feels like the best of both worlds. Um, I had some fucking people who were like, yeah, that should be a free option as well. And I'm like, I mean, whatever, dude, like they got to make money. Capcom's got to make some money. And if, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to begrudge them to make some profit. I love their games. I love them as a publisher. And if five bucks buys me uh, an express ticket to the end game shit, I mean, I'm fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be too upset about it. I mean, if it had been like 20 bucks or something, maybe I would have been upset. But five bucks to me is like, I mean, let's be real. Like if you go to Starbucks and you get like a large cup of coffee, it's five bucks. Like, you know, you get a sandwich at Subway or something, it's more than five bucks. So like, I know people are buying, you know, burgers and coffee and whatever, buying a beer, buying a drink, whatever. If you just skip just one of those things once, that's enough to pay for this. And I think that Capcom deserves a couple bucks. So I don't feel bad about it. I thought it was great. I'm really glad they threw it in there. And I would recommend anybody else who wants to see Resident Evil 2 in a whole new light to please do that. I think it's great. Yeah, and even, like, for me playing it, like, I've beat it. I can't. I lost count of how many times I played Resident Evil 2 already. I've probably played it, like, six or seven times already. And even, like, now having the new weapons, like, it breathes new life into it for me. And, like, you think I would be, like, tired of this fucking game by now, but, like, I'm interested in going back and using, like, the Unlimited, um, like, Submachine Gun is the one I'm interested in because I think the like Gatling gun and the rocket launcher might make it a little too easy for me. Um, but the nice thing to note also is like, if you're somebody who wants to play this and you buy the $5, like unlimited weapons, like the game does not force you to use them. So you can still play the game however you want and just like have the guns on reserve in the chest. And then if you get to like a boss fight that you just can't beat or a hallway that's like super overwhelming or like, you know, you, there's like, like you with like Mr. X on the top floor. Like if there's one section where you just cannot get him off your ass, then like by all means run to that chest, grab the rocket launcher and use it for five minutes and then put it back. Like the game doesn't force you to use it the whole game, but you, so you can use the regular guns as much as you want. But if you're just like really having a hard time in one area, like, hell yeah, like, get that rocket launcher out and use it for a few minutes or something. So it's just nice because, like, it still gives you... It gives you the widest array of options you could ever possibly have in going into the game, whether you still want to play it difficult or you need just, like, a little bit to help ease some certain sections or if you just want to take the rocket launcher through the entire game and use it on every single enemy, by all means, you are free to do so. Absolutely. That's a really good point because it doesn't force you to do anything. The guns are in your box... You can leave them in your box. You don't have to get them out. You can get the DLC and just get the extra modes, get the hunk mode, the tofu mode, get the costumes uh, or whatever. And, you know, it doesn't force you to do anything. And that's really a good point that we need to just kind of reiterate these days. Like adding a mode like that, that's an option, doesn't take away anything from you if you choose not to use that option. Like there's no reason for other people to not have that option. Uh, So I think something like this is great. To me, it's like the best of both worlds. I, I love this option. I'm glad they gave it to us. I'm glad I did it. I think the five bucks was worth it. Uh, totally made Resident Evil 2, which was already a good game, to be fair. Uh, a just a wonderfully super fun game. And just <laughs> shooting zombies with no fear uh, is awesome. It's a great release. A great, just great cathartic feeling. So I dig it very, very much. Um, okay, let me take a quick sip of water here. Um, pardon me, folks. Like I said, it's still kind of recovering from the flu. And I'm trying to uh, get through this podcast without... Hacking and coughing and all this stuff. Um, so we haven't really discussed this, Corey. 
but I figure this might be a good way to discuss it, or maybe we'll just have kind of like a quote-unquote open discussion with our fans. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, or if you follow Game Critics, uh, you might know that like maybe like once or twice a year, I'll get on Twitter, and for like a couple hours straight, I will just give away games. Like game after game after game after game after game. I mean, you've seen me do this before, right, Corey? Oh, yeah. You... I don't even think you... You don't even do, like, trivia or anything, do you? You just say, like, here's the game. Whoever replies first, you get it, and that's it, right? I used to do trivia, but then I had so many games that it took me forever to find enough trivia questions. <laughs> and then, inevitably, there was always somebody who was like, oh, no, I got the answer first, or that's not actually the answer, or here's the technicality. And I'm like, fuck, people. i just trying to give some games away. <laughs> like, I just, this is supposed to be fun, right? And it got it got really not fun in a hurry. So I stopped. And so literally all I do is I'm like, hey... Who wants this game? I have a game. Whoever wants it, get it. And I just give it to you, and that's it. Like, end of story. Just giving it away. Because at Game Critics, we get so many codes. I literally... We literally can't play them all. Like, there are so many codes. I, I mean, I'll have some for review. The other guys will have some for review. There will be some left over. And, like, we just have a pile. Like, like at the moment, I have, like, several hundred games that we just couldn't do anything with. And so... Instead of getting on Twitter and doing that again, because honestly, it takes a long time to give away that many games. Usually takes me at least like two or three hours sometimes. And I just don't have that kind of time anymore. Like I just don't have the time to sit there and do it. It's really fun. I really enjoy doing it. I love giving things away. Uh, but I just don't have the time. So instead of that, I'm thinking that we're going to take some of those codes and we're going to give them away here at So Video Games. So we, I want to reward the people who listen to our show. I want to get new people to listen, and I also want to get some PR for the people whose games these are, because I think that's the least we could do. I mean, they send us a free code. The least I could do is maybe mention the game on the air, maybe have somebody talk about the game, maybe somebody can play it and, and you know, word of mouth with their friends or something like that. Least we can do, I think. So I haven't really cooked up a hardcore plan. I mean, I'm interested in your ideas, and maybe listeners have some ideas. I'm thinking maybe... Just at the end of the episode, maybe I'll just say, hey, I've got, like, game A, B, and C, and if you want it, I don't know, just fucking email me, and I'll just, <laughs> you know, I'll just I'll just pick somebody, and then we'll just give these games away. And maybe if the people get the games, the least they can do is say, hey, I won this by listening to So Video Games on Twitter or something like that. I don't know, and that's that's it. I don't know. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, that, this, is a, this is a classic good giveaway situation. Um, I think this sounds like a good plan. All right, cool. So let's just roll with that for now, unless you have a, a different idea or any objections. Um, I'm not prepared to do it right now, but I guess we could probably do it. Uh, maybe we'll do it at the end of the show. I'll make a note in the in the, in the the script here. But uh, yeah, let's have, I don't know, I'll give away like three games. I don't know what those games are right now, but I'll pick something. Um, and if you're listening to this, I realize this is not very fully formed, very little details right now, but I'll give away three games at the end of the show. If you're listening to the show, Email us at sovideogamespodcast.gmail.com and just say, hey, I listened to the show. I want a free game. That's all you got to do. And we will collect all those. I will pick somebody, I don't know, one or two days after the show goes live. And then I will email you back with your game. And if you get the game, do us a favor and just get on your favorite social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and just be like, hey, I won this game. And please say the name of the game from So Video Games. And that's all you got to do. No further obligation necessary. That seems pretty fair. You think that sounds pretty fair? 
Um, I think actually the, everybody who emails us, we will invite you to our island layer and make you fight to the death over who gets the games. Oh my god! Speaking of which, did you hear that there's a billionaire who's going to be setting up a for real battle royale island? That in is real life. That's never actually going to happen. That I, someone's working on it right now, dude. I don't know if they're going to kill each other, but I think there's going to be some, I don't know, paintballing or some hardcore paintballing. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, uh, I mean, that in would that be case, crazy. Then maybe that'd be maybe. fine. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, getting off topic here. Let's do it. Let's start right now. We're, I got enough games to do this for like the next hundred episodes. So. <laughs> Uh, let's give away three games. Don't know what those are. I will, I'll probably get in the habit of announcing that like at the end of next, the next episode or whatever, but this is a brand new thing. We're getting off the ground. So if you want a free game, email us, say you want a free game. I will email you back if you win and then please share it on social media and we'll just do that and everybody will have free games and I will get rid of my free games. Good. Good. Okay. Done. Let's do that. Now that was a way longer opening section than I thought it was going to be, but here we are. (laughs) Let's get to the actual games chat. I'm going to turn it over to you, Corey. You're going to be talking about a game I am extremely, extremely curious about because a good man on Twitter, Trashylvania, I love love Mr. Trash, he had told me about this game a million times. He convinced me to buy it. I bought it when it was on sale. I downloaded it. It's on my Switch right now, but I have not actually started. He swears by this game, though. He says this game is the shit. So I'm very curious. You downloaded the demo for Detention. Tell us all about it, sir. I'm uh, thrilled to hear that you bought this. That's funny because I have not actually bought it yet. I just have the demo and now I hear that you own it and have not played it. And I've downloaded the demo and have played it and you have not. And now we're in like a weird mirror universe of who owns what games and who's played the demos. But I, so if you, I guess you haven't listened to the banter yet. In the banter, we're in kind of the time loop right now. Um, I talked about my power going out at some point in my house, and whenever your power goes out, what other thing do you do but play video games on your Switch? That's the only thing you can do when the power goes out. Um, Literally, if you don't have a Switch, I guess you just go to bed. Um, I'm not sure. Power went out. Um, I had downloaded the demo for Detention on my Switch a while back and had never played it. Um, And this is actually sort of kind of timely because I had played... um, This is from the same developer that put out a game that I can't remember the name of right now, that first-person horror game I played like a month ago that got delisted from Steam. Not delisted, oh, but they pulled yeah, it off Steam. Yeah, yeah. Um, the company's called Red Candle, I think. Um, God damn it, I cannot believe I can't remember the name of that game. Um, I'm totally blanking on the name, too. We just talked about it like two episodes ago. Oh, my God, I know. Uh, well, We're lame. We are the lamest. We are the lamest ever. I know. Okay, sorry, me... sorry. Let me look at... Oh, Devotion. <clears throat> Devotion. It's Devotion. My, okay, there you go. Thank Hooray. God for Steam listing games by when I played them last. Um, so this was Devotion. I think it's their first game. Um, and I had heard... I didn't know it was a thing, but you had briefly talked about it whenever I was talking about Devotion um, on the show that they had made Detention before this. And Detention is a... It's like a side-scrolling kind of third-person horror game. I downloaded it, I the demo. I played a little bit of it the other night. The demo is only about 20 minutes long or so, which is pretty substantial for a demo. And I don't... This is one of those games that I see on the Switch shop online um, on sale a lot. And every time I look at it, I think, man, this kind of looks like my aesthetic. 
And then I look at the game screenshots and I see it's like a side-scrolling thing. And I'm like, well, I just don't know. I don't know about this. Because, like, I'm usually down for side-scrolling games, but it just, I don't know, it just looked a little obtuse to me. Like, maybe a little point-and-clicky for me, um, even though it's not a point-and-click game. So I thought, okay, I'll just play the demo. So I played it, and you play as a character, I think his name is Wei, if I'm not mistaken, uh, W-E-I. And he is in a classroom. He's like a sophomore or junior in high school. I think it takes place in somewhere in Asia. I don't know if it's China, um, but it's very, like, ingrained in that culture. Um, And he is in class. He falls asleep in class, and then he wakes up, and everybody's gone. So at first he thinks he just slept through the class, and then... There's, like, nobody around. Um, The teacher's not even there. You stand up. You walk around. Um, It's kind of like old-school Resident Evil in a sense where you can, like, examine certain desks and read stuff and read the chalkboard and read a sign on the wall. Like, you can kind of do a lot of that stuff. You exit the room. um, It turns out that there's a monsoon that's kind of approaching the city. So it's raining outside. The game's... um, I think it's almost all black and white. It's got a very... I mean, because it's a horror game, it's got a very creepy kind of aesthetic to it. Looks kind of grainy. Uh, it's kind of black and white. Um, I mean, dare I say, it's kind of a 2D side-scrolling mixture of, like, Fatal Frame and Siren, in a way. Um, in a sense that it's, like, kind of slow-paced horror, and it's very entrenched in, like, sort of like an Asian culture. Um, a Devotion also was, so they're definitely keeping a theme with this. And plus the developers are um, Asian, so, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Um, So you just kind of explore the school a little bit. You kind of explore the classrooms. You're trying to figure out how to get out of the front gate because it's locked. And so, like, part of the game is, like, exploration, side-scrolling. You're going up and down stairs. You're kind of investigating classrooms. Part of it is light kind of inventory-based puzzle solving where, for example, a few minutes in, there's, like, the front gate of the school is closed and you have to figure out how to open it so you like open a i think it's like a kind of like a fuse box you have to find like a hand crank you explore the school you find the hand crank you bring it back you use it kind of i mean really kind of old school resident evilly in a sense except for it's side scrolling and eventually you meet a female character who's in a gymnasium and she's just kind of like sleeping and he wakes her up they have a discussion and then they kind of travel together for a little bit and later on you end up playing as the female character and the demo does not make it clear if you like swap back and forth between the two characters at some point and she just takes over at a certain point um and then she's kind of in charge of exploring things and the demo kind of stops at a really good spot because it stopped in a section that kind of actually made me want to buy the game and i have full disclosure i have not bought the game um, full-er disclosure, um, when it goes on sale, I probably will buy it, um, because I know that this is the kind of game that I see on sale all the time. It's currently not on sale. I think it's, like, $15 or so full price on the eShop, um, but the game, like, right before the demo ends, you kind of are introduced to, I don't even know what to call it, like, it seems like an enemy type. It looks kind of like a ghost, um, kind of like a translucent, like, person like a ghost character kind of fully clothed um not like floating through the air spooky or like hiding under a sheet ghost just like looks like a normal person and the game tells you that you have to like hold your breath as you walk past them so it introduces a mechanic in which i think you hold the right trigger to hold your breath and 
um, you can only, as you might imagine, hold your breath for a certain amount of time. And the game kind of starts like getting fuzzy and like wobbly the longer you hold your breath. I don't know if like, I didn't hold my breath as long as I could. So I don't know if the character dies. I don't know if they pass out. I don't know if it's game over. I don't know what happens if you hold your breath for a long amount of time. Um, and I also don't know what happens if you don't hold your breath around the ghosts because I was not going to risk that. I held my breath. I walked past the ghost. And then about a room after the first ghost, the demo ends. So it gives you... I mean, the demo is pretty well done because it gives you enough to understand sort of the mechanics of the game, the side-scrolling nature, um, reading stuff, investigating stuff, how to pick up items, how to use items... Um, and then it kind of introduces an enemy threat sort of like pretty late in the demo, which obviously adds a little bit of intrigue because I wasn't sure if this game was going to be, you know, if it was going to be like an action horror game, a monster horror game, or just like a straight up exploration game. Because there's a lot of games out there that have a horror pretense, but they're not, it's not like you're fighting stuff or you're not like in combat with anything um, so this game introduces that. I don't know if there's going to be combat in the future. Um, I have not done a lot of reading up on the game. I just kind of played it because the power was out. This sounds like a really bad recommendation. Oh, I only played the demo because the power was out and I literally had nothing else to play. It's not true. I had just been waiting for the right opportunity and the right opportunity came around. So, I mean, I'm not sure if I can recommend it or not. It seems good. Um, I mean, I went in kind of a skeptic because I wasn't sure if this was going to be up my alley, because it's the kind of thing I'd seen on sale a few times and I just didn't pull the trigger on. But after playing the demo, I actually am interested in it. So as soon as it hits a sale on the Switch, I will probably pick it up, uh, maybe play the whole thing. I'm not really sure what else it has in store for me. So the demo does a really good job of kind of setting itself up and then kind of going out on a high note in which you would want to play more of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what else I can say. I like the demo. If it sounds interesting, the demo is free on the eShop uh, for you to pick up. Pretty sure it's multi-platform. I think it's on PS4 and Xbox One as well. It's probably on PC, um, but I just happened to download it on Switch and it seemed to be a good fit. Um, but it definitely feels very Fatal Frame, very Siren-esque, sort of in that like thick Asian culture horror kind of vibe. And uh, I mean, I'm digging it. So maybe I'll play the whole game later and return to the show and give some more insight later. Excellent. Well, let me know when you start playing it because I will make an effort to try to play it at the same time you do so we can at least talk about it together. Um, Trash has pretty good taste in games. We don't always uh, sync up, but we sync up pretty often. And I would tend to trust him. He's a pretty level-headed guy. He doesn't um, traffic in a lot of hyperbole. So if he gives something a, a real good recommendation, it's at least worth a shot. Um, I mean, I kind of had a similar experience as you. I looked at it a million times. Seemed like it might be my my kind of thing, maybe. But then I would look at the art and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I played actually, it's ironic because I played a couple really bad Asian horror games before this one um, for Game Critics. I don't think I ended up reviewing any of them because they were just like really poor and I just didn't make my way through them. But I hit like a bunch and this one came at the end of it and I was like, oh God, no, 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 one of these ones because I, <laughs> I can't do that again. But apparently I should have kept going because this is supposedly the one that gets it right. So very curious. Like I said, I already have it. Let me know when you're going to hit it and then I'll try to do it at the same time. I don't think it's very long. So, I mean, it's probably like five hours or something or, you know, maybe, maybe whatever. It's not a huge RPG regardless. So we can probably bust through it in a pretty reasonable amount of time, but um, good. Uh, sounds promising. Sounds promising. Okay. Uh, let's move on really quickly. I have a couple of rapid things to cycle through really fast. Uh, 
Uh, I'm just going to go through these bit by bit, and then we're going to get to our FAR discussion, FAR loan sales at the end. So I'm just going to cycle through. Corey, if you have questions or thoughts, please feel free to jump in anytime, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just take it as it comes. So these are all Switch games. I have been pretty busy, but I had time for Switch. Been playing a lot of Switch in bed, and so that explains why I have four Switch games to talk about right now. <laughs> the first one is called Neon Caves, uh, put out by a developer called Force of Habit. Uh, this is, I think, their second or third game on the Switch, uh, but the first one that I've tried. And I believe they said that this game was inspired by actual animals which like live in caves somewhere. Like They must have seen a documentary or something, and it gave them an idea for a game. And to be fair, it's actually kind of a cool game. Uh, the graphics are very simple. It's a 2D, kind of like a twin-stick shooter, sort of, but not really. Uh, you play as some kind of a little robot animal, and you just have the entire screen. It's like a single-screen game. You have enemy animals that come, in at, that come at you from the sides of the screens, and you got to shoot them. But the, the trick to this is that you propel yourself by shooting so if you want to go up you got to shoot down and when your cannon shoots like it pushes you up or if you want to go left then you got to shoot right because then it'll push you the opposite way that you go you can also hold a button down and you put out like little feet and then you rip wherever you are and you hold still and then you can shoot at whatever direction you want and then you don't need to move but you can only grip for like a certain amount of time and then you'll fall off the wall and then you have to propel yourself again and just kind of do that so it's kind of like just like a twin stick shooter <clears throat> excuse me i like the way it looks i think it's a good idea but it's way 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 too fucking hard it's really hard um to begin with simply moving is kind of brain wrecking because you're always <laughs> pushing the opposite way that you want to go which you know i mean we've been trained as gamers for a million years like you push the way that you want to go like that's just what happens. That's just how it goes. And I'm fine with switching that up, but it's mentally challenging to think about that. Like, it's just, it's like one extra step that you usually don't have to think about. So that was hard to deal with. That was kind of wrecking my brain. But the other thing is like, it's just really hard. Like you have a very short time limit in this one stage where like, I don't know, bombs go off or something and you have to like shoot the bombs before they go off. Didn't feel like nearly enough time or like when the enemies are coming at you, like they're just coming at you real fast. And like, to have such stringent time limits in addition to a brand new weird way of moving around was like too much to deal with. Like if it had been normal movement, I could have handled that. Or if it had been a slower pace of game with the weird movement, I could have handled that. But the two things together are just really, really hard. I mean, I was dying in like 15 seconds or something like that. Like it was really fast dying. And I played a number of times, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 times in a row and I just didn't feel like I was getting better. Like, I didn't feel like I was... I just didn't feel like I had a chance, honestly. I was like, start a game, die. Start a game, die. Start a game, die. Uh, so, for a little indie coming out of nowhere that wants to try to, you know, make a name for itself, they scaled that fucker way too hard. I mean, maybe people out there like it. Maybe some people... I'm sure some people can play it. That's fine. For me, way, 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 way too hard. So, it was cute looking. Kind of a neat idea, but really, really difficult. Um, questions, thoughts? Uh, I mean, you pretty much have me at it's really hard, and that's pretty much all I need to know to never want to go near it. Yeah, I don't recommend it. It's cheap, too. It's like three bucks or something, but even that is... I mean, why spend the three bucks if it's just going to be something you play for 15 seconds, you know? 
Uh, the next one is a port of a game that originally came out on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Assault Android Cactus. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't, um, I have not heard of it, but this is just another game in the long line of ridiculous titles that you brought to the show. I do my best, man. I do my best. Uh, (laughs) This game comes from uh, developers called Witchbeam, and I'm pretty sure they're from Australia. Forgive me if I got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Australia. This is, again, uh, not intended to be, but it is also a twin stick shooter with kind of a top-down perspective to it. Uh, This one is about a group of android robot girls and they're not like they're not like booby android anime girls they're just like little (laughs) girls that are just androids it's pretty it's pretty chaste uh it's nothing salacious uh they're in space they're inside a big spaceship and every robot on the spaceship is going berserk and so you have to destroy the robots get to the bosses kill the bosses get the ship back under control but i mean all that is just like window dressing it's really just a top-down twin stick shooter kind of similar to something like Oh, God. I mean, I want to say Smash TV or Gauntlet, but those are super, super old references. Have you played either Smash TV or Gauntlet? No. Okay, I knew those were going to be really old references. Um, You don't get a lot of these games lately, so I'm struggling to think of a more contemporary reference. But anyway, you move with the left stick, you shoot with the right stick, you view the the arena from a top-down perspective, and 10 billion things rush you at the same time. So that's what the game is basically about. I played it on PS4, and I liked it. Uh, it's very intense and very frantic, but I think it's really well put together. It's very cute. Uh, the developers did a great job at the genre they were going for. So I think they were very successful with that. Uh, this no, this new mode on Switch, or this new release on Switch, has a couple of things added to it. So number one, it runs really well. And I'm just I'm kind of just shocked because the number of stuff that comes at you is ridiculous. And I totally thought like the Switch was going to chug or that it would be you know a lot of slowdown or something. No way. These guys nailed it like it runs like a dream. Um, I didn't play the entire game because I've, I've beaten it before and I didn't want to play the whole thing again. But I played through like a big handful of levels and I didn't have even a bit of slowdown. So uh, amazing job with the, the, the conversion there. They've also added some new costumes. They've added some accessibility options which were not present in the original release like letting people have auto-aim uh, if they want to play with a single joystick instead of two joysticks. There's auto-revive, <coughs> excuse me, there's a couple other things like the ability to invert the fire mode, there are uh, enemy flash settings if you're sensitive to a lot of flashing going on in your games, there's some audio elements if people need more of an audio element, there's care taken in with regard to the shape of things, so if you're a colorblind player, you can rely on the shape of things rather than just the color, but you can also change the tint of things. Um, I mean, these guys really went above and beyond in adding some accessibility settings, which, trust me, does not make their game even one iota fucking easier. It just makes (laughs) it more accessible. Still a really difficult game if you're not great at these games, and I'm not great at these games. Uh, It was hard work to get through it the first time, which is one reason why I didn't want to play through it again. Uh, I did enjoy it. I think they did a great job. This is a wonderful port, wonderful accessibility options. Witchbeam are a bunch of cool guys. And if you are in the market for a top-down shoot 'em up this is a very, very excellent one to get. It's good stuff. So that's Assault Android Cactus now on the Switch. Questions, thoughts, Corey? What does Cactus have to do with the game itself? See, I wondered that myself. It's just the name of the primary character. They all have kind of weird names. Um, 
Cactus is the main character. She's just like a girl with like green armor. And then everybody else has like kind of a weird name. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I think they have like flower names or something like that. So it's just a name. It has, Cactus literally has nothing to do with this game at all. I don't know why they pick Cactus. She doesn't look like a cactus. She has no needles. She <laughs> is not full of um, fluid. I mean, she doesn't live in a desert. I don't know why they pick Cactus, but... Uh, huh, that's a good name, but that's disappointing that, that it has like nothing to do with the game. Yeah, I you know, I'm actually friends with those guys. I should uh, I should hit them up and be like, how did you guys pick that name? Because I honestly have no idea. But <laughs> Anyway, um, the next one, keeping with the theme here, uh, is a game called Overwhelm. This is another indie... Uh, difficult game coming from a developer, Random9, who says that he has built his career on making difficult games. Uh, I have not looked into his backlog, but uh, I, I can confirm that this game is hard as fuck. Uh, what it is, it's a 2D pixel-based side-scrolling platformer shooter. You play as a tiny little pixel dude who rides in on a horse, and there is a hive of enemies uh, buried underground. You just ride up and you jump down the hole and go inside the hive. You got to kill this hive. You don't really know why, but I mean, hives are generally, I don't know, seem like bad things. And I don't know, there must be some reason that you don't want these guys around your house or whatever. But you jump in, kind of abstract graphics, pretty simple, but I think it looks good for what it does. I like the way it looks. Um, you have a gun that can shoot three bullets at once. You have a limit of 99 bullets. You can jump and double jump, and that's all you can do. So it's pretty straightforward. Uh, and this game is like, blisteringly fast like it's really fast uh things happen in the blink of an eye monsters it's not a roguelike it's just it's it's got set levels <coughs> excuse me but the monsters are randomly generated so like if you die in a hallway and come back like there may be that monster again it may be a different monster maybe no monster so you cannot practice like the way monsters appear because they just kind of randomly generate that makes it actually a lot harder than I probably make it sound like randomly generated monsters is tough to deal with. Very tough. They move fast and you can only die three times. The point of it is to get five crystals that are scattered throughout the hive. You got to get the crystals, bring them back to your hub and then stuff happens. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but stuff happens. Very difficult. Very, very difficult game. I started playing this and I was like, Oh my God, like I, I can't play this. This is like really, really hard. But the reason I bring it up is because this was actually brought to my attention. Uh, I believe it was Louis Fiatro, good good man in front of the show, Louis Fiatro, tweeted me about this. But I had actually started playing this game like like an hour before he tweeted me. But he's like, <laughs> oh, look at this game. And I'm like, oh, my God, literally playing the game you just tweeted me about. Uh, the guy, the developer, Random9, I think his name is, uh, I'm sorry, man. I think your name is R Rory or Ruari. R-U-A-R-I. I, I really apologize. I don't know how to pronounce that. No offense intended at all. Uh, I guess Rory O'Sullivan. I'm going to go with that. Hey, please let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, he tweeted, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm a guy who makes hard games. This is a really hard game. But I also included a bunch of, of accessibility options and different things that you can tweak. You know, hopefully this is cool with people because this came right in the middle of all of the discourse about Sekiro and difficulty and easy modes and options and accessibility and all that fucking shit that's going down on Twitter this week. Um, so I thought that was really fortunate timing. I go into the options of this game, and I'm, like, really, really impressed with what he's done. Um, you can change the color of the game. If you need to change the color, you can change how much screen shake there is. You can change the controls. That's all great. 
But you can also go into another menu where you can give yourself, instead of three lives, you can have infinite lives. Instead of 99 bullets, you can have infinite bullets. And the, the craziest thing is that you can actually change the reaction time and the speed of the game plays. So like at the default setting, I can play it, but it's really hard and I died like a lot and I don't think I would be able to finish it. Like I just would lose patience too soon. I would die too fast. But if you go into that menu and you tweak the speed of the game, you can crank it up all the way so that it almost feels like it's in slow motion. So like if you don't have great reaction times, if you do not have good Twitch skills, you can crank that thing up and just play the entire game with infinite lives, infinite bullets, and in slow motion, and it's still really fun. Like, it's fun to just go through the game to shoot monsters, grab the crystals, fight the bosses, and the difficulty gets scaled so far back that, I mean, you can eventually just, I mean, you're not going to die. I mean, you will beat the game at some point, but I really appreciated how he took his design of a lightning-fast, super-lethal game that would require world-class Twitch skills, and he's like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to give you these options, you don't need skills. Just play this game and just get through it. And I love that. Like, I would never finish it, but I did finish it using some of the options. I thought it was still really fun. I think that anybody could play this now and get through it. And it did not ruin my experience. It did not take away from anybody else's experience because you can still play it on the basic settings, the vanilla settings if you want, and you can die a thousand times. Feel free to do that. Um, but it was just really cool to see another developer who's like, you know what? I made this game and I have a vision but maybe my vision is not what makes you happy. So here's a couple options and I want you to be happy. And I'll guarantee you, if he had not put these options in, I wouldn't have played the game. I wouldn't have finished the game. I wouldn't be talking about the game. I probably wouldn't have bothered to review the game. And I reviewed it this morning. Uh, the review is going up probably tomorrow. And I sure as hell wouldn't recommend this game. But because he put in these options and, you know, kind of met me in the middle where I'm at, I think this is a really fun game. And it went from being a game that I would never talk about to a game that I actually think is great and that I would recommend because if you put on these options, I think it's a good time. So I really like Overwhelm a lot. I think it's a wonderful example of accessibility options and choices making a game better than it would be without them. And I think it's a, it's just a really good time. It's on the Switch. It's a really good fit for the Switch. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's just lovely. So I'm really glad that he did that. I cannot believe these developers that are caving to this SJW pressure oh, of God. compromising their artistic vision for their games, Brad, and making them easier for the masses. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, I mean, based on how difficult this game is, I'm guessing probably 1% of people have the skill to actually finish it. It's like, it's, it's crushingly hard. And so those people are going to play this game and not care about it. But like all these other people who are making all this racket and noise, those guys use FAQs. Those guys use walkthroughs. Those guys go on message boards. Those guys use mods and cheats and stuff and act like they don't. I just, you know, it doesn't take away from anybody else's time to enjoy something the way you want to enjoy it. And I'm really glad that this guy gets that. Like kind of the same thing with um, Celeste. We talked about Celeste a lot last year on the vanilla settings. That game is hard as balls. It is so <laughs> hard. But I respected what they did, and I played it through, and I did finish it on the vanilla setting. But there was also these other settings, you know, like double, triple, quadruple jump, uh, you know, invincibility. Uh, you can float and stuff. Like, there's all these things that let you play that game however you want to play it. I respect that so much. I totally respect that. I wish more developers would do that, and I wish people would drop the bullshit about, oh, giving people options is somehow less honorable or 
ruin someone's vision or like, oh, you're a bad person if you play on easy mode. Like, fuck off. Fuck off. Games should be enjoyed. Games are made to be enjoyed. I can only imagine that developers want people to see their entire game. Like, why make a whole game if people are going to see the first 15 minutes of it? You know, like, what is the point? Uh, so, anyway. Overwhelm is great. I love the accessibility. I definitely recommend this game uh, to people who want a 2D actioner. Good times. Good times. Um, last one I'm going to mention real quick, and then I will let you take over for our final leg of the show, is a game called Safety First. I don't know why it's called Safety First, because it doesn't really properly explain what this game is about. But this game is about a robot which pees on things with its robot penis. <laughs> it is That is literally what this game is about. This game is about peeing in holes with a robot penis. You, It's a physics-based game where you control a robot. Right stick is its right foot. Left stick is its left foot. That's all you can control. And it's got some physics, but the physics are really weird and wonky. The weight of the game feels really weird in a goofy way. And your robot is like fragile AF. Like if you, if one leg goes out too far, the leg explodes off the body in a rush of, you know, quote unquote oil, which looks like <laughs> blood. He falls apart into a million pieces, you die. But basically you're looking at these 2D levels and you'll see like a hole in a wall and you're not peeing urine, you're peeing repair fluid is what the game says. You're, you are loaded with multiple drops of repair fluid. So you need to like shuffle over, aim your robot penis over that hole <laughs> shoot your yellow repair fluid into the hole and then you win the level so it starts out really easy and then you know all sorts of weird shit happens like sometimes the hole is on the wall sometimes the hole is moving sometimes you're on a platform that's moving sometimes you gotta make this big jump and so you gotta like coordinate your stick so that you're jumping at the same your your feet are moving at the same speed in the same direction at the same time surprisingly much more difficult than it sounds very difficult to do some of this stuff it's one of those games where like fucking around and dying with the physics is like is really what the game is about and so seeing yourself <laughs> die like a thousand times uh i bought it on a whim because i thought maybe my son would get a kick out of it and he did think it was funny but the difficulty ramped up really quickly so he kind of bailed out of it but i've i've been playing it and i think it's really fun i think it's if you're in the mood for like a physics bullshitty silly game this is totally it and just Peeing on stuff, I think, is just kind of fun in general. I'm sure you can agree to that, Corey. I'm sure you've peed on things in your time. <laughs> the most fun I've ever had. There you go. I've, I've also enjoyed urinating in my time, so that's a good time. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's just fun. I mean, sometimes you got to pee on, like, another robot's head, or sometimes you got to <laughs> pee, like, on an elevator that's moving, or, like, sometimes you have a ball of pee, you need to kick the ball and get the ball of pee over a wall or something. Oh, my God. It's just, it's just dumb, funny ridiculous not too serious at all and it was really cheap too it just was really really fun um so if you want something that's really physics based where you're going to try to make a stupid jump like ten thousand times you'll make it on the ten thousand the first time laugh about it and move on uh i think it's pretty good i actually kind of like it i think it's really goofy and fun i, I enjoy it i do maybe like five or ten levels a day and then i'm good and i just move on from that uh, there's a couple modes and uh, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you can watch some videos on YouTube, get an idea of what it's about real quick. And uh, if that looks like fun to you, peeing on stuff seems like fun to you. Peeing in random holes, I, I recommend safety first. It's, actually, it's a lot more fun than it sounds, definitely. It sounds to me like it's your description is giving me very, like, Octodad vibes. Totally, totally, totally. It's like Quop or Octodad or something where, like, just just struggling with the controls is like half a game. <laughs> so that is this game exactly. Like if Octodad 
minus six arms plus a penis. That's totally what this game is. So. <laughs> anyway, safety first is a good time. I think it's really fun. So that's all I have to say about those games. Let's move on to our final segment, and this will be our official spoiler warning uh, for FAR loan sales. I discussed it in a non-spoiler way last episode, but Corey's been through it. He's going to be talking about his experience, and we're going to be talking about you know the ins and outs and what we thought about it. Uh, no holds barred, nothing held back. So if you plan to play FAR loan sales, and really you should, that game I think is amazing. We're going to find Corey's opinion in just two seconds here. Uh, I think it's an amazing game. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in my top 10 game list of the year. Uh, don't spoil yourself if you have any intention of playing it. Please pause the show. Come back when you're done. Listen to what we have to say. It's a short play. It's only three or four hours long, something like that. Anybody can get through it like in a weekend. So don't spoil yourself unless you want to be spoiled. And this is your final warning. We are now going to be talking about far loan sales from Okamotive. We're going to be spoiling everything. So Corey, I talked about it last episode. Uh, I hooked you up with a code from the developer. I know that you've finished it. Let us now discuss the game. Please tell us your thoughts on FAR Loan Sales. All right. First of all, thank you for getting me the code hookup. And second of all, it's kind of funny to think about doing a spoiler section on this game because, like, like I don't, I don't really know, like, what you can spoil on this game. Like, I think we're right and proper to, you know, give a spoiler warning because, like, the thing about spoilers to me, I think I read something in an article, like, a long, 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 long time ago. And I'm sure that it was probably perceived as like, you know, a really like sensitive take or whatever. But like whenever people, like basically in the grand scheme of things, and this is sort of what, and maybe I've said this before on the show, but, uh, and I, I adhere to what I read. I can't remember where I read it. I can't remember who wrote it. Um, basically it kind of carried the idea that like, basically anything that you learn about something can be a spoiler. Like, I know that you have obvious spoilers where whenever, you know, in general, when we talk about spoilers, we think like, oh, talking about like where the story goes and like what happens at the end of the story and what happens to the characters. And I feel like that's what people think of whenever they normally think of spoilers. But in like a grander sense, I generally do believe that pretty much anything you learn about a game can be a spoiler because there's this idea of going in like completely with, you know, not knowing anything about the game. And like, you know, and I've also thought a lot because there are people that talk about movies and they'll be like, you know, oh, well, there's like this like twist end of the movie or there's a twist. And I'm like, OK, well, like just knowing there's a twist is a spoiler to me. You know what I mean? Like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I would rather like not know that, you know, there's just like certain details that maybe a lot of people wouldn't consider to be spoilers that I consider to be spoilers. Um, but that being said, like it's the idea of spoiling this game is kind of funny to me because the way that I think about this game is more of like, I wouldn't want to spoil some of the individual moments that happen because like really, and this might be my biggest criticism of the game is that like, it kind of doesn't really have a story. Like I like to sum it up for those that uh, listened last time and maybe forgot, or if you haven't listened and you want to dive into this territory, um, this game is called Farland sales. It was on PC. It recently came out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. It is a side-scrolling third-person adventure game where you play as a person. I am going to lovingly refer to the person as a woman because I believe that she is a woman. But like, sure, you, sure. like you said on the last show, it's basically just like this tiny figure in a robe. So you can't really, you don't really know like what the gender or anything is, the race or sex or whatever. I just, I think she's a woman. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, you play as this woman who has this pretty amazing like, 
ship thing? The game calls it not a locomotive, but an okomotive, O-K-O, um, okomotive. And it's kind of like the thing that like Ray is flying at the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. Kind but of chunky. Looks chunky. Yeah, and but instead of like it being like a motorcycle, it's like a thing that like the character's like all the way inside of. So you basically are in command of this ship, this locomotive, and you just kind of like take it across these sort of like post-apocalyptic wastelands. And the thing that I like about the game is that when I say post-apocalyptic, it's not like nuclear blast, zombies everywhere. You know, it's basically like you're kind of like the only living thing that you find in the game, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, maybe it's like cool or maybe it's not cool, but I kind of enjoy that. It's very desolate. You're kind of on your own. You're existing in this really kind of like gray, kind of worn out, torn down world. Um, and you, you're just kind of like existing. You're traveling and existing. You're trying to see where you can get um, but I mean, like I said, perhaps my greatest criticism of the game is that there really kind of is no story, or at least no story that I could really pick up on, because all you're doing is just riding this um, this vehicle across these landscapes, and you never meet anyone, you never talk to anybody, you kind of occasionally ride through some, like, ruinous areas where there'll be, like, subtractors that are, like, broken down in the background, or there might be a big, like, boat or something. And, I mean, part of the game, you mentioned this last time, part of the game definitely lends itself to you believing that, you know, certain parts of the game, you're kind of over, like, a dried-up lake or, like, a dried-up ocean because there are, like, boats that are just, like, planted in the dirt in the background in some areas. Um, and there is one specific area where you ride through, like, a farm, and there's, like, sheep or something so at least there's like a little bit of wildlife out there but you're not it's not like an i am legend or like horizon new dawn where you're like out in like these lush post-apocalyptic like areas it's very dry it's very gray it's very desert but that being said i really like the setting um it is kind of one of those settings that if it were a first person shooter i'd be like oh my god this has been done to death but seeing it in the context of this game makes me really enjoy it um the way that I could describe the gameplay of this game to really to really distill it down, I'm going to do one of those things, Brad, where, it's, where I name two games that I think like kind of make All up right. this. Coreyism in full effect. Yes, if I had to describe this, it would be a combination of Inside or Inside. I'm sorry, Inside by Playdead, and oddly enough, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. <laughs> yeah. Because that is a good one. That is actually, no, those are good. That is, you, you did it again, dude. Like that totally makes sense. <laughs> because I mean, you're traveling across this kind of like barren wasteland and it's very gray with pops of color. Um, very, looks kind of similar to inside in that <clears throat> regard where everything's kind of washed out. Everything's kind of drab. You're, it's, I mean, I wouldn't call it like a straight up science fiction game, but there, there's the constant idea in the back of my head wondering like what happened here? What's going on? Like, where is everybody? It just kind of has that same like, weird wonder that inside has but the meat of the gameplay is very similar to lovers in a dangerous space time where you're inside this locomotive there's like an excel there's different buttons there's like three decks in it and there's a little elevator um the bottom deck is just where you enter and exit it the middle deck has um an accelerator button which you have to press it and when you press it all the way in it stays depressed for like 10 seconds and it slowly pulls out. So if you want to keep going forward, you have to like stay on the button. However, if you're accelerating, um, steam builds up in the vehicle and there's a steam button you have to jump up and hit and it releases steam. The steam also accelerates you a little bit faster. So it can be like a tactical advantage. Um, 
There's a button you can press that puts your anchor down, so it'll basically stop you in your tracks. Um, there is, uh, eventually you gain this like vacuum thing that pulls up items in the environment that's on like the deck on the left. There's a fuel tank and you put stuff on this fuel platform, you jump up and hit a button and the items are converted into energy for the vehicle to let you accelerate. Um, eventually you get a fire hose or like a water hose for fires and this like, um, sort of like electrical gun, like a soldering gun or something that lets you fix things. And then on the very top of the deck, when you're up on top of the ship, is a sail. Um, the game is called Farland Sails, after all. And you can press a button, and if the wind is blowing in the right direction, you can bring the sails up, and they will carry you so you don't have to use as much acceleration fluid. Because sometimes items in the environment that give you that you can use to put in the chute for energy are kind of few and far between. So using the sails to take you rather than gasoline or the energy of the ship is the smart way to go. Um, how was that description, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. You've really nailed like all the different various features of, of the game and the, and the machine, the car, the, the vehicle that you have. So yeah, I think I'm with you so far, definitely. Okay, excellent. So this is kind of one of those games where I would have like, it kind of does a smart thing where I would have like a small problem with it and I would be like, oh man, I hope the whole game isn't like this. And then the game would like give me something that solves that problem. And for example, the first thing like, you kind of go to the ship, you take off. The music, the, this game's music is wonderful, by the way. I love the music in this game. Already have it on my phone from iTunes. It's wonderful. Oh, um, okay, good. And good. the music is actually, it reminds me a lot of uh, a, an artist named uh, Tomas Dvorak, who does the music for uh, Machinarium, uh, which is, like, a game that's on basically every platform ever at this point. Uh, incredible music. Um, I thought it was him at first because he's like a famous clarinetist, but he plays a lot of instruments. And I heard like clarinet in the score and I was like, ooh, I wonder if this is him. It's not, it's a different guy. Um, but the, even the thought that I, that, that, that I compared the two like made me incredibly happy. So you start playing the game, you take off, you're like riding through this barren wasteland, the music picks up, the camera zooms out a little bit. And I'm like, wow, this is like a cool adventure. Like this is kind of nice. Like I wonder where we're going. And then like the the energy starts going down in your ship and you end up having to stop like every few, maybe every like 15 seconds to like exit your ship to pick up an, a, a thing to take back to the ship to put in the energy thing to like give the ship more energy. And after like the third or fourth stop, I was like, oh God, like is the whole game going to be like this? Because I was really enjoying like <laughs> the feeling of like taking off and riding into the sunset and like having the cool wasteland around me. But then I would have to stop every few seconds and like pick up stuff. And I was like, oh man, and then, like, luckily down the line, you pick up the little vacuum sucker thing, and it basically sucks up the stuff on the ground, so that way you don't have to stop the ship and get out. However, that brings one more fold into the things you have to do on the ship, because the ship is a lot about resource management. It's about knowing when to accelerate, having to hit the steam button so that way your ship doesn't overheat, um, having to run around the ship to get the, the little boxes to put in the energy chute, hitting the button for the energy chute, taking the button or the, the things for the energy out of like the vacuum chute and then putting them on the energy pad, taking the elevator up to the top and, um, you know, activating the sails if you need to. If for any reason you run into something and one of your items sparks, you have to grab the little spark gun and go fix it or something catches on fire. It's like real, there's a lot going on. It's, it never felt super overwhelming to me, which is a good thing because I was worried because a game like Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which has very similar mechanics, but it's more of a co-op game where you work as a team in order to like pilot and shoot and shield your ship. That game is really, it's really fun, but it's really overwhelming and it, it gets really hairy. 
Um, this game, uh, far did not get super... There's only like a couple times where I felt really overwhelmed in the game. But I kind of liked those moments because they were moments. Like they felt like scary or they felt intense or they felt like the game was supposed to be um, really, uh, you know, just like adversarial in a way that I appreciated because there's a lot of the game where there's just downtime where you're like riding around, you're kind of seeing the environment. Um, and so having those moments really made it special. But that is sort of like a little bit of my other criticism of the game. So like I, I would classify myself, this is a strong like, but it's not a love. I wish I liked this game a little bit more than I do. And I don't dislike it. So like, you know, I, nobody like freak out or anything. I do think it's wonderful and it's lovely. The music's great. I like the, the place, the, the atmosphere that the game takes place in. But, like, some things that I that bother me that just don't quite add up to me is the fact that, like, the game, like, pretty much doesn't really have a story at all, or at least no detectable story I could pick up on, which is a weird thing for me to say, because usually I'm the guy that's like, oh, give me those ambiguous games, motherfucker. Like, I'm the guy who, like, wants those, like, <laughs> games where, like, you can't really tell what's going on. And that's, like, something that I like about Inside, like, by Playdead. Inside, like... You, you pick up on, like, pretty strong ideas of things that you think could be going on, but there's no, like, overarching story narrative for the game. And I think the thing that far lacks for me is those sort of, like, weird background themes that are going on. Because, I mean, you kind of understand that the game is kind of post-apocalyptic, that maybe something happened, that maybe it's, like, after global warming and everything's died out, or maybe there was a nuclear war. Like, the game never really tells you but it doesn't really give you any clues about any possible thing that could have happened. Whereas like with Inside, there's like a lot of themes about like mind control and about AI and about slavery and about like, you know, sort of like corporate, um, sort of like uh, biology and like gene, uh, like genome mapping. Like there's just a lot of weird stuff going on in that game. And it like really sits with me. And something that I don't like about Far is that it doesn't really have any of that stuff. It's just kind of like, you and your ship and you're going places. And then the other thing that I don't like about it is it lacks a lot of really grandiose moments. And I was talking a minute ago about how there are moments where the game becomes adversarial and like the pieces of your ship might catch on fire or you're in like a hailstorm. And those moments are really exciting and they're really intense. But there's just not enough of them for me. Like there, there's too, too much of the game is spent just sort of like riding through these areas and you can't really tell what's going on. Every once in a while you have to get out of the ship, which I think those moments are good where like your ship gets stuck for a reason at a gate or in like an ele weird elevator or something and you have to like get out of the ship and go like solve some little puzzles and come back. I liked those, but like there are only a handful of moments that felt really incredible to me and some of them being... Um, there's, like, a hailstorm you get caught in that I thought was really intense. There's this part where you're, you get, your ship goes inside this, like, gigantic, like, moving... I don't even know what to call it. It's, like, this giant mechanical structure that your ship goes inside of. And, like, that big mechanical structure then, like, walks you across this area... And, like, that moment was, it felt really immense and really incredible to me. But what I didn't like is that I wish that the camera would have, like, zoomed all the way out and really let you dwell on the entire, like, um, structure that you were inside because it doesn't really, like, show you everything. And I kind of wish that it would have, like, really given you a better sense of scale of what was going on. 
And then the last moment that really stuck with me, um, toward the end of the game, you're like just like riding along doing your thing. And there's like a freaking volcano in the background that like explodes and there's like smoke and ash everywhere. And you're like your ship like almost goes up in flames. And it's like this really intense moment. But like, I, I like that those moments are there, but I, I think they could have gone further. And I think that they could have done something to inject a little bit more story into the game because they're kind of like exciting moments for the sake of exciting moments but they don't really tell you anything about the story, or at least not that I could tell. The only thing they told me that were really story-driven is the fact that this could be like a post-apocalypse due to global warming because it seems like every 10 minutes of the game you're in like a completely different sort of like global catastrophe. Like at the beginning, it's gray and you're in like a dry area. There's a hailstorm, there's a volcano, you're in like snow at one point. So it kind of varies in that regard, but it, it just wasn't, as concrete as I would have liked it to have been. And it doesn't really like make the moments feel as big as I wish they did. Um, but I mean, I, I realize I'm doing the same thing I always do on the show where I play a game that I like, and then I come in here and say a bunch of stuff that I don't like about it, which I feel, <laughs> I feel bad about, but I do like this game. Um, but I, I don't want to like take up, you know, a million hours talking about all my things about it, even though I know, you and I are kind of bouncing off because you talked about it last week. I'm talking about it this week. But given the stuff that I've said and given the stuff that you weren't able to say last week because we did not do a spoiler section last week, um, what are like what do you think about the game, about deep diving, and about some of the stuff I've said so far? Um, I have many thoughts, and I was actually jotting them down because I didn't <laughs> want to forget all of them. Um, it's funny you mentioned the story because I actually really like the story a lot. And this was... I mentioned in the last episode that the story, this particular story led to a really good discussion with me and my son about environmental storytelling and like what that means and how it impacts a game and as a player, how it can potentially impact your experience. So for me, I liked the story of far very much. Um, and I had to think about it for a minute because it doesn't really leap out at you. But as I was putting the pieces together, I began to really appreciate it for being very subtle and for being, more about the world and not necessarily about not necessarily something it's like so this this story boils down to a story of like person versus like environment or whatever um and so it's not there's not any combat um i don't believe you ever get attacked by anything i don't think i'm pretty sure that never happens um but if you remember the game uh starts off and your character's at a grave and so you don't really know what this grave is about and you probably forget about it pretty quickly because once you leave the grave, you never come back. And like, there's no dream sequences or anything like that. Uh, but I think that's pretty important to set that up. And so your character obviously looks like a younger person because they're pretty small. I think it's safe to say that they're probably a child or a young, you know, not an adult. Uh, and if you take a good look at your ship, there are some little drawings that are kind of spaced throughout the ship. There's um, a couple chairs. There's like a little living quarters. And on the outside of the ship, there's a little uh, drawing of a bigger figure and a smaller figure. So if you put those things together, it seems pretty clear that like probably your parent, I'm guessing maybe your dad or your mom died and you're the only person who's left back where you start. And so, I mean, to me, putting those pieces together, and of course this is open to interpretation naturally, but it said to me, you know, maybe the parent was really sick and they were not able to make the journey. Uh, it looks like maybe they, they, the father and son or father and daughter or mother and daughter or whatever, whatever way you want to slice it. Um, you know, it seemed to me like not much of a leap to think that they may maybe put that ship together themselves as a way of getting out of this place that is no longer safe, but then perhaps the parent couldn't make the journey. 
they waited until the parent naturally died, and then it's the, the child making the journey on their own in a ship that was designed to be piloted by two people. So starting off, that was enough for me to get going, and mechanically it follows that it never becomes super overwhelming like like lovers in a dangerous space time but there like you said there's a few moments where you're like oh i better hurry but i get this thing over here and, oh, the steam's over here but i get the steam and oh no i gotta get some fuel it's never out of control which i appreciate but if you think that there's always supposed to be a second person you can imagine how this thing could have been smoothly cruising all across the land you know like if it had all of its upgrades from the beginning if there was a second person so i like that and following that theme I really like the moments of where nothing was happening. Like, usually I'm not one for a lot of downtime in games because I think that games don't tend to use it very well. Uh, but in this game, it was really contemplative and it was really peaceful. And it kind of made me think again about how this parent was missing and how this person, son or daughter or whatever, is just making this journey on their own. You know, leaving their home behind, their actual house behind, leaving their parent behind. Um, and just trying to, to fulfill the dream, which I assume they probably had. I mean, I think it probably is pretty safe to say that they both wanted to get to the, the end of the game together. That didn't happen. And so it being a really lonely journey, I thought really kind of spoke to me. And I thought that was really cool. I'm glad there was no combat. I'm glad there was no like real confrontations. It seemed to be about ecological disaster, which is something that's also on my mind a lot these days, uh, as we are in the middle of one right now. Um, and so you, that's kind of backed up by all of the things that when you get to the middle of the game where you find like these like stations that are like building vehicles or fixing vehicles or like when you get inside that big uh, like walker, like you said, I agree. I wish that thing, I wish the camera would have pulled back all the way. I was really disappointed when it didn't. I wish that they would have. Um, but when you're inside that big walker, like you can see there's kind of like a war for resources going on, little pictures in the environment and just kind of like you pick up from, uh, you can imagine like this thing being built to like, I don't know, carry people or, or wage some kind of war somehow. So I, I really liked that a lot. Like that all worked for me. And that was all the story I needed because to me, like the loneliness, the journey, the player versus the journey, the journey yourself, when it was supposed to be a journey of two people, uh, that was good. That was good for me. That all worked for me very, very well. And I think um, when you get to the end, I think it is very sad because, I mean, nothing really happens. Like you get to the end of where you're trying to journey to there's a, a bonfire or like a signal fire. And so you just burn some fuel and hopefully someone is still around to come pick you up. And it kind of, it kind of ends like that, which I thought was really nice. Like it's kind of an ambiguous ending. You hope someone's going to come pick this person up. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, maybe they're too late. You don't know if they are or not, but I really like just feeling like, you know, Hey, this was a journey we meant to take together and I'm doing it by myself and kind of like fulfilling that original idea. So that, that was pretty strong for me. I liked that a lot. Um, and just the solitude itself was really what I liked. Uh, as far as the rest of it, I I do think that there could have been a few more big moments. I think that I think the moments were kind of like I mean everything about this game is kind of small scale, where when your vehicle gets stuck or when you're inside a puzzle. Um, I know you said you didn't feel like there was a lot to spoil, but I think mechanical spoilers is maybe a concern sometimes about how you get past a certain puzzle, or about thinking about certain things like in one in one area you have to take your your water gun which is used for putting out fires inside your vehicle and then you have to shoot this little wheel with the water to kind of make it spin to get the elevator to work again it took me forever to figure that out by the way <laughs> that was yeah that was a pretty clever one like that one took me a little while too for sure uh and you know like i was never sure about oh do i need to leave my car behind do i need to move forward oh no no i should probably bring my car and then you know kind of going back and forth um I just, I just liked the whole thing of it. I just liked everything about it because it was quiet. It was lonely. 
it was introspective a little bit and it was just about taking this journey like there was no no big bad no giant you know jump you had to get across like you didn't have to jump the grand canyon with rocket boosters strapped on the back of your car or anything <laughs> like that um and just those moments when you've got the sail up and you're just kind of cruising uh just really stood out to me just i i find that not very many games are able to find those moments of peace or those moments of 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 contemplation and so for me that they were able to summon so many moments in the same game was pretty impressive to me so that's that's one of the things i really liked about it yeah and i um just like to kind of respond to that i i guess maybe whenever i was talking earlier about like there not being a uh, like enough big moments i like kind of want to make it clear not just to you but to like everybody to myself as a matter of fact that like i um I didn't, like, want this to be, like, an action game. Like, I didn't need it to be, like, you know, volcanoes and shit going off every five seconds. Like, and I also, I really loved um, the moments of solitude, just like you did. I guess I didn't really say that earlier. But there were often moments where, and something I really like about the games, whenever you're in the ship, um, obviously the camera kind of zooms in and the ship takes up most of the screen. So that way you can really see what you're doing as far as, like, pressing the accelerator or hitting the steam button or taking the elevator or whatever. Um, but there are moments whenever you're just cruising through the environment, and if you go up to the top deck where the sails are, if you're up on the top deck outside of the ship, the camera pulls all the way back. And I, w I loved the moments where I knew I could just count on the sails taking me, and I didn't have to do any resource management, and I didn't have to do any shuffling around on the ship, and I could just go up on the top deck. The camera would pull back, and like usually in those moments, the music would cue up uh, really heavily, and it would play like you know, some cool kind of like atmospheric, like jovial kind of song. And it was nice to just be able to stand up on that deck. I mean, in the same way that you appreciate it, I appreciate it of just like, you know, it being, um, you know, just you being in solitude and being really introspective and just like the camera pulling back when you're on the top deck and just being able to see the journey go. I really enjoyed those moments because I often thought during parts of the game that, I would have rather spent a lot more time up on the top deck with the camera pulled back to just like really take in the environment and really like watch things go by instead of being inside the ship, like busting my fucking ass, like trying to get all this <laughs> stuff figured out. I mean, it is fun and it is like, you know, kind of intense and everything, but I, I guess between or among, I should say, um, like doing all the mechanical stuff in the ship standing up on top of the ship for moments where you're just rolling and sailing and nothing's happening. And then like grander moments, like when you're in the giant walker or the volcano's blowing up. I, I, I guess what I want to say is that I wish there were a better balance between all of those because I feel like too much of the game is spent inside the ship really like multitasking for the things when I would often just want to be up on the top deck, just really taking in the environment and really like trying to survey the surroundings and see what was going on. But a lot of times I was too busy, um, you know, doing the mechanical stuff in the ship. So I, I just kind of wish that those three things were balanced a little bit better to allow for some more downtime on top of the ship and to allow for more like grand, like adventurous moments to happen too. But I, I did enjoy um, a lot of the moments of solitude where you, you finally get to like, take a break and, you know, wipe the sweat off your brow and go up to the top of the ship and just really get to take in everything with the camera pulled back. I really enjoyed those moments. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I echo what you're saying totally. And at the same time, I cannot imagine it was an easy thing to balance those moments because 
you have to count on the player being engaged enough with what's going on that they will be okay literally doing absolutely nothing but staring <laughs> at the screen. And if you don't nail that, that is like the kiss of fucking death because you are doing nothing but staring at the screen. And so, I mean, I can imagine these guys like hoping and praying like, oh, God, you know, I hope they're I hope they're engaged. I hope they're feeling what we're feeling because they're going to be sitting here doing nothing for like four and a half minutes. And like, I mean, that could have easily been a disaster, you know, like if they didn't nail it. And it, I think it's really um, the highest kind of praise that you're actually saying you wish you had more of doing nothing. Because I agree. Like, I think that's aw- those moments were actually awesome. Like, I really love that. At the same time, uh, I really did like the fact that, like, really just the biggest challenge of the whole game, apart from um, some of those environmental puzzles of, like, getting up a hill or getting up, a you know, getting through a barrier or something. And there were, I felt like there was a good enough number of those for me. I was satisfied with that. But just the kind of, like, feeding the engine, releasing the steam you know, making sure things were running. It kind of was like kind of meditative to me. Like, and when you're doing that for those stretches, like when there's no wind and you can't pop the sail and you have to like hope you have enough fuel and hopefully that you can, you know, get where you're going and you have enough to get up the hill and just you're kind of like running back and forth between different parts of the the machine. Like, like that in itself, just the, the physical act of doing that was kind of special to me because it's just like you and your machine and you're not in danger of dying. Like, you know, you don't ever, like, die permanently in this game. There's no penalty for anything. And I have to imagine that if you somehow ridiculously burn up all your fuel and you get stuck without any, there must be some sort of way. I mean, I guess you can just pull your, your car. I guess you can pull it with a rope or you can push it or something. So I doubt that you ever get really stuck. But just that action of doing things was kind of, like, valuable in a way. Like, it was... I don't want to say it was busy work because that puts a negative spin on it. And I've, I'm famously against busy work, you know, like I don't like to do that. But I felt like it had meaning in that you participating in these kind of repetitive activities was the thing that was powering you from A to B. And really you wanted to get to B because that was the end of your adventure. And it was just kind of about putting your head down and just getting the work done and just making this thing happen for yourself without like worrying about guns and ammo and aliens and life packs or anything like that, you know, like it was just kind of a different sort of a challenge. And of course it really helped that I was really into the world and I was really into the concept. I was really into the machine and I was really into the solitude and loneliness. Like it all just came together. Well, like there's a lot of ways this game could have gone really poorly. Um, A lot of ways this could have been just like one of those like really abstract bizarro indies that nobody really likes except for the developer and Oh, what a mistake this was and blah, blah, blah. But instead, I feel like it all came together just right. And so I totally echo what you're saying. And I even agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, I can just imagine these guys going, okay, well, this is like level six and like literally nothing happens except for just they're going to cruise. So fingers crossed that they're liking it. And, you know, that's got to be scary. So I want to give those guys props for um, for doing it and for delivering a different kind of experience, a passive yet still somewhat active experience. That was not combat based and for doing something that to me really stands out from the crowd. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of very many games that are much like this. I mean, I think inside is a good comparison. I think, um, I mean, there's gotta be other games that are somewhat in the same ballpark journey, I think is another good analog for this. Uh, but there's not many, there's not many of these kind of like contemplative art house games that ask the player to do something different, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that you and I are kind of like, like you'll like I'll say something, 
And then you'll be like, well, I agree, but I want to respond to this. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, I agree with that. But I also want to say that <laughs> we both really like this game. And then like, you know, any criticism that we have, like, I guess I do totally understand like the idea of the developers, you know, if they have given players too much downtime, then I could see how, you know, in this day and age that people would have been like, wow, this is boring. I'm going to turn it off because all I'm doing is standing here and not doing anything. And so I guess it's their like, so like probably if they ever listen to this, they're probably like begrudging the fact that like they found the most like boring gamers in the world that are like, yeah, just let us stand here and look at the environment. Cause like, I know. Like, <laughs> we wanted to do more nothing. There was not enough nothing for me. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, how often would we even say that, though? Like, we would never say that about, like, any other game, dude. I'm trying to think of another game where I want to do nothing, and I just, I honestly can't think of anything right now. Oh, I mean, I can think of games that I wouldn't want to do anything in, but just look at. Like, um, like, what, like, give us an example. Like, what game would you want to do nothing in? Um, I mean, like, I, the game that I already brought up earlier on the show, like, Singularity 5 is so beautiful. I wish it weren't a wave shooter. Um... The game, I mean, it really is, like, it's beautiful. I love looking at it, but it's not, I don't like playing it, but I like looking at it. Um, I mean, a game that I do enjoy playing that I also like looking at a lot um, is Echo by Ultra Ultra. Um, I love the environments in that game. It's such a beautiful setup. Yeah, that's true. Um, And, like, certain games that have, like, photo modes. Like, I was talking about, um, like, Spider-Man last week or the week before, and I was talking about how in that art museum I spent, like, an hour just, like, in photo mode, like, looking at the environments and, like taking fun pictures and stuff. I think that's a little bit different because obviously that's like an action adventure game. I want to, I want to play that, that game as much as I want to, um, you know, like look at it and take photos. But, um, I mean, there are a few examples off the top of my head. Good examples. All good examples. All. All right. Well, I do think it's funny that they found the two guys who are kind of okay doing nothing in a game. I wonder, I wonder how true that is across the spectrum. (laughs) I haven't heard of too many people other than you and I who've played this. Uh, but I've been recommending it. I gave it a very favorable review. I'm going to give it a very favorable review. I'm in the middle of writing it right now. Mike Susky at Game Critics gave it a very favorable review. I'm trying to talk it up as much as possible. Would you recommend this to people if they were in the market for something a little off the beaten path? Absolutely, 100%. All right. I think we can agree on that for sure. And uh, I, I'm definitely going to have this on my top 10. Maybe it's not on yours, but I, I feel like we're going to be talking about this at least one more time before the end of the year. So. Um, I'm all talked out on it. Any final thoughts on Far Loan Sales? Anything you want to get out before we wrap? Um, are we not going to talk about the devastating ending whenever your ship gets torn in two, Brad? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I didn't even... Th- I, I totally blocked that out of my mind. Probably because it's too, it's, it is too hurtful and too <laughs> awful. Uh, yeah, I had blocked that. Thanks for bringing back that trauma. I had moved past it, and now I, I'm feeling scarred all over again. Oh, so man, I'm sorry to yeah, resurface this for you. you. You are exactly right. I Oh, man, I can't believe I forgot or I just blocked it. But, yeah, you get to a point when your ship takes a lot of damage and it, like, breaks in half. And, like, at, you just kind of, like, have to, like, you can roll it for a while as it is, like, damage. But then you just, like, eventually leave it behind. That was actually really sad. That was truly sad because the ship is not alive. The ship doesn't talk. The ship doesn't have a name or anything that I know of anyway. Um, but, yeah, you spend your entire your entire experience with this ship and when you have to like you know you see it get destroyed and leave it behind that was actually pretty devastating i i agree with that that was that was heavy shit that was very heavy shit and whenever the ship got torn in two you're left with the front half of it and i didn't realize it or i don't even know if it's possible at the time but like you can um like you can still kind of pilot it but the ship has like a i mean it's not a grappling hook but it's like a 
I don't know what it's called, like a towing cable kind of thing on the front and on the back of it. And whenever I wrecked mine, I don't know if you did this, Brad, but I didn't realize that you could still like pilot it a little bit. And I like grabbed like the, the towing cable on the front of it and pulled it out. And I was like pulling the ship behind me, like helplessly oh, God. trying oh, to like roll it with me. And oh. it, yeah, it was really sad. Um, and then the last thing, I don't know, because I know you tend to play games with the sound low or, you know, without listening to the music or anything. But at the very, 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 very end of the game, um, did you notice that... Um, like you said earlier, you get to this, like, the end of this, like, island kind of area. Or it's, like, in front of the ocean or something. And there's, like, a a fire that you can light that you're kind of led to believe is kind of like a signal flare kind of thing. The smoke starts going up. And, like, the screen turns to night. It starts fading out. And at the very, very end, just before the game's logo comes across, um, you hear the sound of a ship horn blowing in the distance. Which, oh, I did not hear that. Okay, I, I was worried that. that you didn't because that's what happens at the very end. You don't see the ship, but right before it fades all the way out, before the game logo comes up to and before the credits run, you hear like this big blowing horn of a ship. So there's like sort of like a light at the end of the tunnel of knowing that somebody oh. is there, that somebody has seen your smoke and that they're maybe there to rescue you. That's cool. I'm glad you said that because I did not hear that. I do generally play with the sound kind of low because... There's usually some other things going on in my room or the, the, the room where I play games at the same time. So I did not have headphones on at that time and I did not hear that horn. So that's cool. I would have been happy if there was nothing, but that is pretty cool. I do like the idea that there was a light at the end of the tunnel and that somebody that somebody did see that smoke and that somebody did show up. That's a pretty cool ending. So thank you for sharing that. I totally did not know that happened. Good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention it just in case you hadn't heard it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, that just makes me like it even more. So. <laughs> I love this game. I think this game is great. You know, maybe not perfect, but it's very different, and it tries a lot of interesting things, and it got me thinking about a lot of things and got me feeling some things, and I just, I just, I really appreciate it for what it did. I would definitely recommend it to anybody. Uh, anybody who even remotely thinks this sounds interesting, just pick it up and go for it. Same for you? Yeah, and it's pretty cheap. It's only like 15 bucks. Is that right? Something like that. Like, it's not that. It's definitely not that much. It's it's definitely on the affordable side, for sure. Yeah, so definitely. Um, I, I Even though I, like, made a bunch of complaints earlier in the game, I promise I highly recommend this. I don't know if it'll be on my top ten at the end of the year. It very well might be, but I don't want to make any promises yet. But I do uh, highly recommend this. Excellent, excellent. All right, we should probably wrap it up. We've been talking forever and a day, <laughs> and I need to get dinner on the stove before my wife gets home, or else it's trouble. <laughs> so, all right, I, let's see. Let's, let's see. What are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, okay, great. I think we've said everything we need to say. End of spoiler discussion. Getting into our regular closing. Thank you for listening. If you listen to our spoiler section, if not, I hope you come back at some point and listen to what we say after you play the game. Uh, but for now, that's all we have for So Video Games. Thank you for being a part of it. We will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, please remember you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like. Also, we are now instituting our game giveaway. That's brand new. Talked about it in the opening of the show. If you want a free game, which is TBD, I've got like two or 300 to pick from, uh, please email us and just say, hey, I want a free game. That's all you got to do this week. Maybe we'll change it next week. But we'll pick three people after the show gets published and I'll send you a free game and please say that you got the game from us and uh, we'll just start with that and see how it goes. You can reach us. So video games podcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com After the show goes up, we are on Twitter collectively as a show. So video games at so video games, but you can reach us individually. 
You can hit me up on Twitter and the Instagram. It's my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Corey, where are you at? I am also on Twitter and Instagram. My username is my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That is it for us. Thank you once again for joining us on another episode of So Video Games. And stick around past the close of music for the banter if you are so inclined. If not, no hard feelings. We still love you. In the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. Okay, <clears throat> so we are here bantering. Um, I got some stuff to talk about. Uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um. I think I don't really have a lot, so you can go first, but I do just want to say before we get started that it feels so nice to be talking to you again because we take, I feel like usually we stay on schedule, we record every Monday. Today, this week, I should say, we postponed the recording by two days due to you being sick and me being lazy. And usually when we do it once a week, same day, we come back every week and I'm like, God, I feel like we just recorded yesterday. But if we postpone it even by two days, I'm like, man, it's been like six months since we last talked. Like, it seems like so long. <laughs> Dude, totally, totally. I totally agree. It's funny how like just a very small amount of time can make a huge difference. And actually, that's a topic that we will be discussing in the main show. So Ooh. it's interesting that you're bringing that up. But yeah, just a little bit of time either way can have a huge, huge effect on things. So actually, I agree. It feels like it's been quite a while and I'm glad to... Uh, catch up with you here i will i will kick things off briefly you may need to google this but have you heard of the comfy Corey? do you know what that is no like as in like you're feeling comfy like cozy no it is like i mean that too but it's also like a product that you can buy i believe it was featured on shark tank but i don't watch that show but i think that's where it was originally from uh so basically it is like a felty big fluffy blanket that has not actual wool but like a wool like substance on one side and kind of felt on the other and then it is stitched up into the shape of a very large voluminous human body and it becomes like a sweater so it's like a, a blanket in the shape of a sweater that also has like a hood and pockets i'm currently wearing one of those right now i want you to google this because it looks ridiculous it looks like i'm in a big pink fat suit right now Looks like I am a sumo wrestler minus the diaper. I so, thought I thought those were called slankets. I mean, I think they are. There's probably like this competing blanket sweater like genre that people are trying to like dominate. <laughs> but this is the one that I had at my local store, and my son actually spotted it. He's like, "Oh, I want to buy one of those," and I'm like, "Dude, that's forty bucks. I'm not paying forty bucks for that. I will just buy you a blanket. You can wrap yourself up at home." But they went on sale, like drastic sale, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is like." 20 bucks. I'm like, 20 bucks seems like pretty reasonable for that thing. So we bought one for the sun and brought it home. And then he put it on and I'm like, damn, this thing's comfortable. This is really, this is good. I want to go back and buy a couple more. So we went back and bought a couple more. And so we bought the whole family matching, matching comfies and they are enormous and you like swim in them. And, but they are so 
fluffy and warm and you just feel like someone is just like the most loving creature on earth is just like gently caressing you while you're wearing this thing. It's like if I was like a like a like like a baby otter or something and like mommy otter was like holding me just real gently like after I just get out of the river or something and like you're all warm and oh god it's so comfortable dude. And especially because I shaved my head um, just to make the distinction I am not actually bald I just shaved my head. People seem to mix that up, and it's not actually true because being bald means you cannot grow your hair back. I can grow a full head of hair. I just choose not to. So I'm actually, I am actually not bald, but I'm, I'm, I'm shaven. Anyway, when you have a shaved head or a bald head or whatever, and it's cold, and then you put the hood of this thing on, and the hood is also lined with the furry blanket wool stuff, man, it is just like the best. Like, I'm not going to say a sexual feeling, but like, it is a real good feeling, dude. Like, it's almost as good as Q-tips, if you know what I'm coming from. <laughs> I just oh want to give God. a shout out to the comfy man it is so good I mean I probably wouldn't wear it if I was living where you're living uh, I'm assuming you guys are probably still warm down there but we had like a couple days of sunshine here maybe like three days of like ooh ooh it's warm ooh I get to open my window and like rain doesn't come shooting in the side of it and I can get outside in some shorts I actually wore shorts one day that was really nice uh, but we have gone back into arctic temperatures and it's been it's actually freezing in my house right now so me and the sun decked out in our giant pink comfy fat suits and we're just kind of like existing right now so they're good stuff man i like these things i was kind of a skeptic at first but i am i am sold right now um are they sponsoring the show this week god they could be mr <laughs> and mrs comfy if you're out there listening we will gladly i will i'm glad to be a sponsored show i would love to support this product i believe in this product i wear this oh, product my myself gosh. No, unfortunately, no sponsors, but man, it is such a fucking, I've been wearing it like every day, dude. Like, and it's just like, you roll out of bed and you just put it on and like, you're not going to get a piece that day because you look like a fucking dork. But like, if you're just kicking it at the house and watching shows and like doing whatever, man, so comfortable. Just like, imagine a blanket wrapped around you all day long and the blanket never falls off. Like, it's so good. <laughs> this is, I don't, I think I have, um, I just, I, I don't think I could wear something like that because I know how silly I would look and I just can't, I can't do that. Oh, you look like a dipshit, man. Like, you totally look like a dipshit. Like, take it from me. Like, I look at myself and I'm like, God damn it. I don't even like myself right now because I look so stupid. <laughs> but it is so comfortable. It is so comfortable. And the best part is, is like, I mean, they're all, we all have the pink ones. There's like gray and blue and whatever. But I'm like, oh, we should all match just for funsies. And it is pretty fun to, like, walk around the house. Like, we're all wearing, like, these gigantic pink things. It is so funny. Oh, my god! Anyway, good times, good times, good times. I got a couple other things, but what, what do you got, man? You got anything? Um, I have... I See, I do this thing every week, and I feel like I say this also every week, where, like, I need to, like, do a better job of making a running list of things, because I know I'll think of things during the week, and I'll be like, oh, I should probably bring this up on banter. And then, like, it's kind of like that... There's got to be a name for it, but, like... You know, like, when you know things, but then you're, like, playing, like, a trivia board game, and suddenly you can't think of anything at all, like, whenever you're prompted for the information, but you know you know it, you just can't think of it. It's often totally. how I um, how I approach banter, but I think I could start my section with a small, um, maybe a PSA uh, in, in some respects, and luckily I'm not speaking from, like, disastrous experiences, but... Um, I, was, I, I was just going to say, but okay, I was bracing myself for a minute there. <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily not. But, um, you know, I mean, I talk a lot on the show, on every show, so much so that people are probably, like, rolling their eyes every time I bring it up. But I'm, like, you know, I do a lot of photography. I'm pretty, 
I'm not going to say I'm like professional or whatever, but like I do a lot of, I take a lot of photos and something that I always mean to do, but I never do is back up my work. And sometimes I think, um, I don't ever quite like wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking about it. But every once in a while, I'll just think to myself like, hmm, most of my work is only in one place. It's only on one hard drive. It's only on one computer, you know, save for maybe like some folders on Google Drive or something like that, or like, you know, low res pictures I posted to Twitter or something. Um, and then I think to myself like, man, I really just need to back my work up. So I finally, this is basically a PSA for anybody working in the digital realms to back up your work, but I finally bought a portable or like an external portable hard drive, um, a Western digital one um, for like $75. I got a two terabyte one, so it's very large. Um, storage is large. The thing is not. It could probably like fit in my back pocket, to be frank. Um, Isn't it crazy how those things have gotten so small, man? That yeah, it's ridiculous. fucking bananas. It's so stupid. Like you can get like SD cards that are like a terabyte now and like you can like swallow that thing whole and i just like man it really just kind of blows my mind um but yeah i bought a two terabyte one and it's pretty small um external hard drive it's not one that plugs into the wall you just plug it into the computer and then the computer you know kind of powers it itself I, I i'm describing this as if no one ever knows what this thing is everybody knows what a portable <laughs> external hard this drive foreign is. alien technology <laughs> Um, Yeah, but I finally bought one. I just ordered it on Amazon. And I, and you know, I'm thinking to myself like, oh yeah, all I have to do is like back my photos up. This won't take very long. I spent all fucking day Sunday and then some of Monday, like going through my folders because I had a very like specific way that I wanted to back everything up because I didn't want to back up. Because on my computer, I have the way that I organize my photos. This is going to be like a master class and uh, maybe like a, a bad stir class because I'm not like wanting to say that this is the right way to do it um, of like how I organize my stuff. So whenever I go and I shoot anything, um, I come home and I have folders in my computer. I have a folder that's just called like Corey's photos or something. And then if you go one folder deep under that, I have it sorted by year. So I have... On the PC, I have 2017, 2018, 2019. And then if you dive into one of those pictures, as you might expect, I have them sorted by month. So I have January through December, one folder for every month. And then if you dive into those folders, every shoot that I do, um, I have a date. I like say if I shot something yesterday, I would put 04.09 space and then i'll make like a one or two word description of whatever i shot like it might be parkour or it might be skateboarding or it might be the name of the skate park or it might be cats because i photograph my cats sometimes um and just like stuff like that and then if you dive into that folder so for those that are keeping score it is year month date of shooting in the date of shooting folder i have three distinct folders i have one that is the date and then the word all And whenever I bring my memory card home, I literally copy and paste every single photo I took into that folder, which is why it's called all. And then I have my, what I call my selects folder. And that is whenever I go through all the pictures in my all folder, because believe it or not, not all of my photos that I take are editing worthy. Probably about 10% of them are editing worthy. Surely you jest, sir. Oh, I am not jesting here. I take a million pictures when I go out and I have to look through all of them and make sure that they're all, um, I have to look for the, the handful that are good enough for editing. And so I will 
take those and I will copy them and I will paste them into my selects folder. And then these selects folder are what I import into Adobe Lightroom, which is my editing software that I use. Um, same company that makes Photoshop. I have Photoshop, I don't use it very much because um, Photoshop is a little more like graphic design intensive for the kind of stuff that I do. So I use Lightroom, which is just a different, um, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like an easier editing software, but it's just different. It's not about like, you know, making 10 photos into one or whatever. It's just about like adjusting the levels and everything of one photo. So I, and then whenever I export stuff from Lightroom, then those go in the third folder, which is called the Lightroom folder, but it has the date in front of it for whatever date I shot that day. And I wanted to copy all of my date folders, my Lightroom folders into my external hard drive because I didn't want to copy every photo I've ever taken onto my external hard drive because they're not all worth copying. I think they're all worth having, but I wouldn't cry if I lost them in like a hard drive explosion or something. However, the edited photos are something that I would cry if I lost. So I copied all of my edited photos into my external hard drive, which took like two days. And the kind of like weird, scary thing that happened was um, on... Sunday, I bought, I got the hard drive in the mail, and I was doing this stuff, and it was like a beautiful day outside, totally nice, New Orleans day, windows open, sun shining, about, I don't know what time it was, about 9 p.m., 10 p.m., something like that, um, I was kind of like, took a break from backing up, I was actually getting ready to play The Division with you, uh, with you and your wife, and I had ran to the grocery store to pick up a few things, because um, I needed to get out of the house, frankly. So I just, like, went to the grocery store down the street, picked up a few things, came home. I was, like, totally going to do some laundry. Like, literally out of nowhere, this, like, thunderstorm rolls in. Like, crazy winds outside. From And the wind was only insane for, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes. Like, it wasn't even that big of a deal. But all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, you know, all of this wind outside. Like, tree branches on the trees outside were falling down. Not, like, huge ones, but just, like, smaller, like, little branches and, like, limbs were falling down in the yard and on the roof and um and like apparently we were under like a thunderstorm and like a tornado warning and like new orleans is not a place where there's supposed to be tornadoes like i thought i left that when i left the midwest because like the midwest is tornado alley and the weird thing is like i had been thinking in my head in the back of my head when i was thinking about backing up my photos you know because i i'm someone that worries about that stuff thinking like oh you know if i don't back up my photos like you know, the day I order a hard drive on Amazon, like the power is going to go out and the hard drive is going to explode and I'm going to lose all the photos I've ever taken in my life. Or, you know, the day after I order the hard drive and the day before it arrives, like someone's going to break into the house and they're going to steal the computer. You know, it's just like this, like, uh, uh, just like fears that I have every once in a while. And the power actually went out that night, which really scared me, um, which, you know, because I was telling you about this, like, literally, I was, like, about to sit down and play The Division with you. Yes. yes. I had, like, just gone to the bathroom. <clears throat> I was, like, literally washing my hands in the bathroom. The lights go out in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. So, I mean, luckily, I don't have to come back to the show and say, oh, the hard drive on the PC blew up whenever the power went out and I lost all the photos. But I just thought it was interesting that, like, the day that I got the portable hard drive and I had like backed up probably about 70% of the photos I wanted to back up, like the power went out that very night. And it, I don't know, it was just kind of like a weird, like, you know, the world works in mysterious ways kind of situation. But luckily I didn't lose anything. And now I have pretty much everything that I've shot from 2016 up to my most recent 2019 stuff backed up. 
But PSA, anybody that's out there that works in a digital medium uh, that has photos or videos or sound files or music or whatever online, for the love of God, back up your stuff. Buy an external hard drive. You don't. They're pretty cheap. Um, I got a two terabyte one for like seventy five dollars. You can get a one terabyte one for like sixty dollars. You can go five hundred gigs for probably like I don't know forty dollars. Just don't put that kind of stuff on the back burner, please. Go out, buy a hard drive, back your stuff up. You won't regret it because you never know what could happen. Hard drives can fail. Hard drives can go up in smoke. Someone can break into your house and steal your shit. A tornado can come through. A hurricane can come through. There's like a multitude of things that could happen. And if you think about all of your work being in one single drive in one place... For the love of God, just bag your stuff up, people. And luckily, you don't have to learn from my mistakes. I'm not here saying that something bad happened, but please just PSA, back your stuff up. You were cruel because you started this story out as kind of like a warning, and like you started <laughs> leading up to the whole power outage thing, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he talked about the photos, and I know the power went out. I was like, oh, I was like all clenching. I was waiting for you to tell me, I lost everything. <laughs> You didn't lose anything. God damn it. You got to like lose anything. Don't preface scary <laughs> stories so scary like that. I was totally being ready to be sad for you. And I was like going to shed a tear for your lost photos. And OK, good. I'm glad nothing happened. Glad nothing happened. But you had me on the edge of my seat because I was like I was bracing myself to hear like, oh, and I lost seven years of photos or something. Or I was like, holy shit. No. OK, good. The good, only thing I good. lost was that I could not play the division with you guys Sunday night. And that made me really sad. I could not believe the fucking timing on that, dude. It was, like, so ridiculous because just to fill in the gaps a little bit for people who are not literally you and me, which is everybody else, uh, you know, we've been struggling to play the Division. Like, we played the first Division. It feels like we played it, like, three or four times a week at night, like, no problem, because I feel like we got through it really quickly, and we actually, like, finished the whole campaign, and, no, pro you know, I, I don't remember it being that much of a struggle, but, I mean, clearly life has must have, you know, must have evolved or changed or whatever i mean we are not the same people we were at that time because uh we it's just, it just feels like it's been so hard to find time when like you know i'm available but then you're not home you're available but i'm out doing something or like you know just something always seems to come up and so like what happened this weekend was uh we were supposed to have the whole weekend this was going to be the weekend we were going to catch up on division uh wife was real excited about it i was real excited about it the, the son had some game to play so he was going to be busy doing his own thing like it was all good and then it was like the first time I asked if you were busy. Was that when you were drunk? You might have been drunk. Is that it? <laughs> you had met. <laughs> um, guilty as charged. You had messaged me. I think it was either on Friday or Saturday. And I had been out because Patrick and I had gone out that day. And we were basically just kind of like we had gone out to get food and beers. And I was kind of like day. I mean, I wasn't like drunk but I was like pretty tipsy because I had probably had like four beers up uh to that point and I remember you messaging me and I was like well I am kind of day drinking right now and I'm tipsy so maybe not right now but it was kind of early in the day and I was like planning on getting home and sobering up and then like trying to play with you but I ended up getting home and I can't remember what I did but I ended up falling asleep at like midnight, which I don't know if that, that might sound early or might sound late to people. But on weekends, I usually stay up until like four or five in the morning. So like going to bed at midnight was like unheard of for me. So like I ended up going to bed like early in that regard. And yeah, so I totally like 
messed our division playing up on Saturday night, unfortunately, but continue. That is what happened to me. Well, I mean, no big deal. I figured, you know, we're all, you know, we're, you know, my wife drinks sometimes, you know, you were going to get out with your friends or you're drinking or whatever. No big deal. Like, I'm like, okay, we got the whole weekend. Puh, no problem. <laughs> and so the other thing that happened was, so my wife uh, has the same job that I do. And since I'm being the stay at home dad, she's kind of like taking over more in that regard. And so one of the things that we do is like whenever there is an emergency, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but whenever there's like somebody is having an ER emergency or if somebody's having a mental health emergency or if someone gets arrested by the cops and they need someone like we are the people that they call um, just me and my wife specifically. And then there's a couple other people in town, but it's mostly me and my wife. So we haven't had a call in like literally like three months. Like I didn't know what happened. It seemed like every criminal had left Seattle. Everybody in town was just, <laughs> Super healthy. I mean, literally, the like, dust on the phone. No one has called. No one needed anything. No emergencies. Nothing going on. Nothing going on. Totally dead. And the one weekend that we're like, okay, this is division weekend. We're going to get caught up. She got called. Ultimately, I think it ended up being nine times in two days. Oh, my God. So she went out and came back and went out and came back and went out and came back. Like, like literally nine times. And there was one more time that somebody else covered for her. So one person covered one and she covered nine. So I was like, you know, I like every, literally every time that you were available, she was out. And it was like, oh, fuck. Like this is <laughs> could not believe, could not believe our luck. And so we're, we're like, OK, whatever. That was basically Saturday. Killed our Saturday. Uh, and I think that was when you were available. So then we were going to play again on Sunday. And then, you know, we got up and we we're ready to play. And then it seemed like you're getting ready to play. And then you're like, oh, my parents went out. And I'm like, what? Like, what the fuck is going on, dude? I was like, I was like, okay, he just must be mad at me. He's pissed powers out out. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is just be honest, Corey. Come on. And then like you show me your map of Louisiana and like three quarters oh, of the yeah, fucking state is I, dark. I forgot. I was like, I oh my that. god. No, it's like that fucking... wasn't even the thing. The thing was that I looked up the power outage online and it was literally like only our neighborhood had lost power. Like, almost all of the rest of New Orleans is totally fine, but there was, like, I don't even know what it was, like a 10-block radius or something of my neighborhood. That was the only section of the entire city that lost power, save for, like, a couple of streets here and there. And it ended up being out for, like, four hours that night. Like, it wasn't even, like, a quick, like, oh, one hour and it's back on. Like, it went out right around 8 and didn't come on until about 12.30 in the morning. So, of course, it was, like, only our neighborhood, and it was out for, like, a substantial amount of time. It was just ridiculous. I just could not believe the series of events. Like, literally, <laughs> like, whenever we were ready to go, like, something would come up every single time. And I'm like, dude, the universe clearly does not want us to play the division right now because they're, like, it was just, it was unreal. So we didn't play, I mean, I think me and the wife played, like, two or three side missions, but you weren't around and we we're like, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. Like, we'll just do something else. And then I don't know if you got any time in, but like, I mean, this is like the slowest we've ever gone through a game. And like, it's like three weeks on and we're still like in the first zone or some shit. And I'm like, oh my God, like what? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So yeah, it's really silly. And I, I mean, I guess whenever you were talking earlier about like, whenever we played the division one together, the only thing I can think about then is the fact that like, I was unemployed during that time, so I had a lot more free time, and I was staying up way later every night than I usually am now, because, like, generally, I'm pretty free on weeknights, but I think you guys are not as free on weeknights, but back whenever I was unemployed, you could basically 
like message me at any minute of the day and I could be like, oh yeah, give me a half hour and I'll be ready to play. But things are a lot different whenever you actually have a job and have responsibilities. That's fucking true, dude, because I got to say, like when you started working, I was kind of bummed because like basically <laughs> I could text, I could send you a message like you, literally like you said any time of the day, like 24 seven. And like you were like on and I'm like, oh, OK, cool. I can always like send you to we go talk and hook up and figure out what the plan was. And like, yeah, you were super available. And now that you got like have a job and I mean, jobs are kind of a drag <laughs> on your schedule in general. But, you know, the wife's working mad hours. I'm super busy during the day. Like you would think me being the stay at home dad is like totally kick back. But it is fucking like. It is breathlessly busy and just breakneck pace every single fucking day. And I'm going to bed earlier than I usually do because I'm usually tired. The wife's going to bed earlier. I know that you're working. And so, like, man, just real life is just, like, real life is, like, the enemy of online gaming. Like, you just, you cannot do online gaming if you've got a fucking life. Like, so all those guys who are spending, like, a thousand hours in, like, you know, Destiny and shit, it's like, you know, you know they're doing nothing when they get home. So there's no way you can work that into a life. But anyway... We will at some point in the future, sometime, somewhere, some when, eventually get back to the division. I don't know how, but we'll figure it out at some point. But I want to I want to pivot real quickly to some good news. Some good news. There's a lot of bad news going on in the world these days. A lot of awful news. A lot of horrific things. So you must take joy where you can find it. Uh, and I found a little bit of joy. Do you remember, Corey? I brought it up on the show a long time ago, probably 50 episodes ago. Oh, my God. This means I'm absolutely not going to remember it. You might remember. Maybe not. If you don't remember, it's totally fine. But do you remember when I talked about Honeycomb Cereal, like, maybe 50 episodes ago? And I was like, oh, my God. They changed the motherfucking formula of Honeycomb Cereal. And it was gross now. Do you remember that? Um, I vaguely, the cereal story I remember better is whatever. What What cereal did you buy during, like, the store being out, the, was it like s'mores or something? What was it? That was s'mores cereal, okay. and I've been buying it every week since then, so I'm, I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit that. Literally, it's, it's in my cupboard, and it's, it's in like an addiction now, so let's not talk about that. Uh, no, 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 but like a while ago, I love honeycomb cereal. I loved it growing up. It's always been a favorite of mine. And then at one point, like I said, you know, 50 episodes ago or whatever, they changed the formula, and I was like, oh, God, like, what? And so it was totally like one of those, like, New Coke situations where they took something that tasted delicious and everybody liked it, and then they changed it, and it became fucking nasty. So it went from being delicious honeycomb cereal. Have you had honeycomb cereal at any point, Corey? Oh, probably, but it's been so long that I can't accurately remember what it tastes like. All right, well, it doesn't taste like honeycomb because I've tasted honeycomb tastes nothing like this at all not even close but it's just like a really good lightly sweet it's not too sweet it's got kind of a corn base to it but it's very finely processed so it's not it's not gritty or anything um and it just has like a very very mild flavor and there's no chunks of anything in it like there's no marshmallow there's no chocolate puffs or anything it's just a very very lightly sweet kind of crunchy um i mean i know i'm it's hard to describe it, I guess, because all cereals kind of vaguely taste the same, but I, I've always liked Honeycomb. So they changed the flavor. They changed the formula. I believe they said they were, like, reducing the high fructose corn syrup or something in it, like, trying to make it healthier. And it was gross afterwards. It was so <laughs> gross. It, it tasted kind of like, um, it was more corny, like, actually, the vegetable corn. It had more of a cornmeal consistency where it's kind of gritty to it. And it just didn't sit right in your mouth like the mouth feel was different to it i, I bought it don't sit right in my mouth oh my god no. I mean, tell me about it tell me about it <laughs> i mean 
No, tell me about it. No, <laughs> seriously though, um, it was gross. I bought one bo- one box, and I'm like, oh, this is nasty. And I bought one more just to check, just to make sure, like I didn't get a bad batch or anything, you know. And it was disgusting. I haven't bought it since then at all. But then we were just at the grocery store, picked up my s'mores, like looked around in shame to make sure nobody could see me buying it. And then they're like, oh, honeycomb original recipe and i was like oh shit original recipe for real and so we bought it i'm like okay i'm bracing myself for disappointment but i'll i'll be ready if it's good and it's totally good again it went back to the original kind it's just just like it used to be clearly other people thought it was fucking dog nasty too because it was gross and it's just it's sweet like it used to be i don't know if there's more fructose in it or but i i don't care it doesn't matter to me uh, but it is good. It's good again. So I'm very happy to say that Honeycomb is a bright spot in my week. The original flavor is back. I've always enjoyed it. I am back to enjoying it now. Uh, very, very happy they went back to the old flavor. So I'm I'm thrilled. Could not be happier. Well, congratulations. I am happy on your behalf that the old recipe is back. So good. So good. So good. I have like maybe a little bit of check-in on TV and movies, but did you want to check in on something before we do that? Um, well, ooh, actually, speaking of TV and movies, I have a, this is a tiny thing. Um, I, so, so I don't know if people know this about the state of Louisiana, but apparently Louisiana is like one of those states where people like film a lot of TV shows and movies and stuff, because apparently Louisiana is one of the states that gives like massive tax breaks to corporations and shit that they probably should not be giving tax breaks to, um, to like film stuff here. And, um, as you might imagine, the, I don't know if it's cheesy. I'm going to assume it's cheesy. I don't know. Uh, the show NCIS New Orleans is, in fact, filmed in New Orleans. And I've never seen it being filmed. I don't really know. I know some people who have done stunt jobs for the show, but I don't know, like, if they have a big studio they film in, if it's, like, way out of the city or whatever, and they just, like, come in for a downtown scene, like, once a week or something. But tomorrow, as a matter of fact, beginning at, like, 12.01 tonight, going into tomorrow, the cross streets that I live on outside of New Orleans, I live, like, about 20 minutes west of, like, New Orleans, like, downtown proper. They're filming all day tomorrow, literally on my cross street in my neighborhood. And I live in, like, a subdivision neighborhood. I don't live in, like, fancy apartments or anything. They're, like, filming in my neighborhood. So they put these, they put a note in everybody's mailbox on our block that said, like, hey, we're going to be filming here. Um, here's some email addresses if you have any questions. Um, we ask that you park in your driveways and not on the street, because a lot of people park on the streets um, or, like, you know, on the street, uh, like, next to their house rather than in the driveway themselves. Um, and, you know, just, like, stuff like that. But apparently they're going to start setting up to shoot, like, literally tonight at, like, midnight, or at least they have, like, a 24-hour window. And then they're supposed to be filming, like, all day tomorrow. And... I'm, I guess maybe I'll report back on this next week if it's interesting or if anything goes down. Um, because I don't know, like, if they're going to be filming, like, literally all day and night. Or if, like, I just don't know what they're going to be doing, like, in my neighborhood. I live in, like, a really boring neighborhood. So, like, I don't know. I, I'm just interested to know, like, what they're going to be doing. And I live around a bunch of, like, kind of, like, older people. So they're probably, like, I mean, you know how older people get with TV stuff. They're probably, like oh, like, it's all, like, the commotion in the neighborhood. Because really, like, I don't really care that much. I'm like, yeah, they're shooting a show. Like, they have to shoot it somewhere, and this is just the place they chose. But this is probably, like, 
our neighborhood's like media event of the year that they're filming something in our neighborhood. So I just thought that was an interesting little anecdote that NCIS New Orleans is actually filming. Like little, like I live on a corner of a cross street and like apparently the street that I live on the corner of that one, they're like closing it all down tomorrow, like for an entire day to film on. So maybe I'll get to see like Scott Bakula or something tomorrow. Who knows? Interesting. That's cool. I always think it's neat when the places that say they're in a certain place actually film in that certain place. I know a lot of places that say they're in Seattle are actually filming in like <laughs> Vancouver or in Los Angeles and they kind of like wait for like a rainy day or they do certain parts on a soundstage or something. Like everybody comes to Seattle, they film the Space Needle in the background like 10 different ways and then they go down to Pike Place Market and film the Pike Place Market sign. They film people throwing fish. They go to get a good picture of Starbucks headquarters and then they leave. They don't stay. Like nobody films up here. I don't know if it's because we don't give a tax break or... I mean, probably it's just because it's expensive as fuck. I mean, it's expensive to be here. Every, the food's expensive. Everything's expensive. Hotels are really expensive. It's really an expensive city to be in. Prohibitively expensive. And nobody will stop anything because we have Microsoft and Google and Nintendo and Amazon. And none of those places give a fuck about anything. And they're not going to close what their business down for some stupid show to film, right? They're going to say no. And they, they own the city, dude. Like, they get what it, they want. And so... If they don't want a street closed or if they want something a certain way, they get it like every single time. Like those guys are the big dogs of Seattle. So I can understand why people don't film in Seattle. But it, it always bums me out because like you'll see some show like, oh, yeah, we're in Seattle. We're doing this, this thing. And like you look and you're like, that's not Seattle. Like you just <laughs> recognize like that is totally not our city. And then like there'll be one scene. They're talking, drinking espresso, of course, like spacing on the background. And then they go back to like being in Vancouver or whatever. And it's like, man, fuck off. Like this is totally... <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a small thing. It just kind of bugs. I mean, it bugs me because I live in Seattle, but I'm sure it doesn't matter to like 99% of the viewers or anything. Just, <laughs> But it's cool that they're down there in Louisiana. It's pretty neat. I've actually never seen that show, though. Is uh, is it pretty good? Have you ever watched it? I've never watched it. Um, I don't want to talk shit because I was thinking about emailing the location managers and like asking them if they had like on-set photography or whatever, just like letting them know that I was in the area. So I don't want to be like, oh man, this show's probably fucking garbage. Cause you know, they're going to like somehow find this show and listen like two and a half hours in to hear me saying this, which they would never ever do. Um, but I mean, all in all, it's probably, I mean, it's NCIS. So it's just like, a, I guess like a show where it's kind of like law and order, but not. Um, so it might be cheesy. I'm not really sure. I've never watched it, but apparently Scott Bakula is the lead for New Orleans NCIS. And I like Scott Bakula. I mean, he, he helmed the worst version of Star Trek, but I still like him and I think he's great. Um, so maybe he elevates the show. I don't know. Maybe I should like actually watch it because I live here. Um, but I don't, but I don't know. Maybe I'll turn over a new leaf and watch a couple episodes or maybe I'll, see them producing it tomorrow or something and i don't know may maybe i'll have to report back on this yeah give it a shot i mean who doesn't like scott Bakula, dude he's just like he's like one of those guys where like you just like him like you, you don't know him you've never <laughs> met him but you just look at him and you're just like i bet he looks a nice guy he looks like a nice guy looks like a cool dude probably fun to hang out with or whatever you know you just like whatever he's like elevates whatever he's in like he just looks like you said so <laughs> i would i was a big fan of quantum leap when that was on the air did you ever watch that i've seen a handful of episodes that was like uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was like kind of like his touchstone that launched his career. Is that right? Totally. That was his big break. That was his big series. And that ran for quite a while. I mean, actually a very good series. Really interesting. Gave him a lot of opportunity to shine. He really carried that show. His co-stars were good. Uh, very educational in a lot of ways, too. They would like touch on a lot of social issues. And it was really um, a cool thing. 
Um, unfortunately, this, the end of that series completely shit the bed, and I was just really, really upset about that. <laughs> uh, but if you don't watch the final like two episodes or whatever, like it's really, really good. So I do, I do enjoy it. Um, just that ending was just horrible. So, anyway. <laughs> Um, I just have a couple things since we're talking about TV. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, but I probably will mention it when we record the other part of the show. But we're in the time loop, so we're doing this first. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm actually recovering from the flu. I don't know if I sound like more stuffy than I usually do or whatever, but uh, I got the flu like two days after I finished my run at the theater. I was healthy as a horse. Every day for two months at the theater, doing like eight and ten and twelve hour days, six days a week for two months straight, no problem. Getting out there, doing my work, you know, covering the actors, everything is fine. We got to the end of the run. We did one little last show. We did a cabaret show, which actually ended up being tremendously fun, super awesome. It was a really good time. Uh, very, very glad we did that. And then like, the next day, the day after we finished the cabaret show, which was one day after we closed Romeo and Juliet. I got fucking sick as hell. <laughs> Woke up and I'm like, oh my God, my body hurts, throat hurts, nose hurts, head hurts, I'm stuffy and I'm runny and I'm feverish. And I just, I was like, my whole body knew that I was done. They knew that my journey at the theater was over. It knew that I could finally take a break now that my work was done. Everything shut down, dude. Total shutdown. I was like, just wrecked, 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 wrecked. So. That was miserable. Don't like being sick. I'm generally a healthy guy, knock on wood. And uh, But while I was laid up, one of the things I like to do is I, I just like to just sit and watch TV. I'm sure many people do this. I'm sure it's a very common thing. But I don't watch a lot of TV in general. So I, I usually take that sickness to be like, okay, well, this is when I'm going to just like veg and watch TV and drink a lot of fluids and I'm just going to rest. And so I, I tried to catch up on some stuff. Uh, and it was just like a random hodgepodge. It's usually like it's usually like overnight because I can't sleep at night when it gets stuffy like that. And I'm like, whatever's on Netflix, I'm just going to watch some stuff. So the first thing, uh, caught up with some episodes of The Office. I'm sure you've seen The Office, right? I actually have not because I, I mean, obviously I know what it is, but I'm not really into the brand of shows that are kind of like mockumentary style Um where you have, like, people breaking the fourth wall and looking at the camera and, like, talking to the camera and doing, like, that kind of interview stuff. So I just could never... I mean, I think I've seen, like, a couple of episodes, but I just can't get into it because I don't like that kind of show. Okay, okay. Well, I, me and Gina were big fans. We watched it when it was still airing, and we thought it was really funny. So I'm like, I haven't watched it in many years. I'm like, I wonder if it's still funny. Do I think it's still funny? Yes, still totally funny. I really <laughs> like it a lot. Great. I mean, like, truly one of the best casts ever assembled. I mean, everybody on there is just like a star in their own way. So many great actors. Uh, the level of humor is just really just dead on most of the time. Steve Carell does an amazing job. Like, he anchors, like, every episode. Just so funny. So good. Like, I went back and I just... I was right back in it, man. I was laughing. I was enjoying it. So The Office, still strong. Uh, the other show I watched was called Botched Bodies. Have you ever heard of it? No. Do I want to know what this is? No, you don't want to know what this <laughs> is, but I'll tell you anyway. Oh, no. It's a, docu it's a documentary from the UK, and it's about plastic surgery gone wrong. Oh, no. So I was first, I was screening it because I'm like, oh, you know, I know a lot about medical stuff, and my son is really interested in medical stuff, and we like to watch documentaries and just learn facts and just, you know, you know just, just learn about stuff. And I'm like, oh, this might seems like it might be a good thing to watch, but I'm going to watch it first because a good parent screens 
Uh, and I'm really glad that I did screen this thing because uh, it was pretty gross. Like, they did not hold back. Like, they showed what happens when tissue starts necrotizing and people just mm. have to, like, deal with it. And, you know, the way that some plastic surgeons say they're a lot more qualified than they really are and they fuck somebody's body up. Um, but the thing that really put it over the top for me, and I actually ended up stopping watching it at that moment, <laughs> was because they were talking about, like, doing these vaginoplasties where oh these people God. are doing reconstructive surgery and this one woman it was a, like an elective one where she's like oh i just didn't like the way i looked down there and i just wanted to fix it and you know it was just a thing that i was doing for myself there was nothing actually wrong and then this person completely fucks up her doodad oh and my like, god the camera was like all up in that shit dude i was like oh my god like it was nothing held back sir nothing nothing held mm. back I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I got to stop this because I don't want to have that conversation right now. I don't want I don't want <laughs> I don't want my son's first exposure to be something that's like medically disfigured and scary. Oh. I was like, I'm like, OK, turn this off. Good. Good information. Uh, I will never get plastic surgery after watching that show because holy <laughs> fucking shit. Uh, but that was like one step more than I was in the market to handle. Although I do appreciate their candor and their straightforwardness. I mean, they were very like. Facts, 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 all about it. I appreciate that, but not not the right thing at this stage in the game. So turn that off. The last thing was a horror movie I had heard about. I think it's from Spain or Netflix in Spain or something like that. Netflix original, but it's from Spain. And it kind of reminded me a lot of um, Pan's Labyrinth. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? I have not. I need to. I just have not. Oh, man, man. Do you like Guillermo del Toro's work in general? Are you familiar with his work? I think literally the only thing I've seen that he did was Hellboy. Yes, he did do Hellboy. That is I th- I like I know he's famous for a ton of shit. I know he won Best Picture for um, Shape of Water a few years ago. I just have never really... S- I don't think I've seen anything he's done other than Hellboy. Oh, man. He is such a gifted director, dude. I am 100% uh del toro fan like i just i i love all this shit i've gone back to see i've seen almost all of his movies like his spanish stuff or his mexican stuff or whatever spanish stuff and uh his foreign you know not his non-english films that were not translated and all that like he is such a gifted dude like i just really really um enjoy his work very very much uh and so he did not have anything to do with this film but i bring him up because this film that i watched really strongly reminded me of his work and i like his work and so i like this one too um, this is not on the same level as what he's producing, but still quite good. It's called Eramentari. I believe it's E-R-R-E-M-E-N-T-A-R-I, which I guess means blacksmith, I suppose. They didn't really ever like give you a straight-up translation, but I'm pretty sure that's what it means. And it was kind of set in the same kind of Spanish Civil War period where the soldiers were kind of like going up into the mountains and killing villagers, and everybody was just like having a really shitty time, and just everything was really <laughs> brutal and gross and just you know death all over the place and just really bad so what happens is it's kind of i mean apparently they were saying it's kind of like a folk tale or something from that region which i don't know anything about so i'm just totally just you know blank slate on that but basically this blacksmith uh is in the middle of the war he wants to make it home to his wife and so he makes a deal with this demon that shows up in the war and he's like oh you know yes i'll give you my soul if you guarantee that i will make it home to my wife and the demon's like yeah no problem got you covered so the guy becomes invincible for a while. Not forever, just just long enough to make him uh, get home. He gets home, and, well, let's just say that things don't exactly turn out the way that he thinks they're going to turn out. 
And I'm not going to spoil the whole movie, but basically what happens is this blacksmith figures out a way so that this demon cannot collect his soul. And so it jumps ahead maybe like 20 years uh, in the future. And it's kind of talking about, you know, what happened to him. Like he still lives in the village. He's kind of a crazy recluse guy. Everybody in the village is kind of scared of him. And, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff happens. I don't want to give too much away because I think just the discovery of it is pretty cool. But um, I really like the lighting. It sounds weird to say, but the lighting in this movie was amazing. Like, that is a top perfect is... thing to say, Brad. Do not, it is, do not apologize you it is. for liking lighting in movies because <laughs> I love perfect lighting thing. in movies. I mean, I can have this discussion with you. If I brought this up with any other person, they would be like, what? The lighting? <laughs> what do you mean? But, like, the lighting was phenomenal. Like, it was so warm and it was so controlled and it set the tone so perfectly in so many of the scenes. Uh, very, very noticeable and commendable use of lighting. The lighting was very strong in this film. Uh, so I liked it a lot for that reason. And also, um, the special effects were actually quite good. I don't suspect that the, the budget was very large, but they really did a great job on uh, the things they needed to do. I'm trying to be... I'm trying not to give too much away here, but <laughs> they really did a great job on the special effects. And once you figured out what the story was, it was actually pretty cool. And I want to give them credit because they really took it to a place that I really don't think an American-made film would ever go. So a couple things happened. Again, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, I was like, they're not. There's no way they're going to do that. Oh, they totally did that. Okay, amazing. <laughs> like that's why I like foreign films because you just don't know what they're capable of doing. And they took it to a couple places I didn't think it was going to go. They ended it in a way that I I thought for sure they were not going to do, and they totally did, which was great. Uh, just a pretty cool film overall. Like, I mean, it's not going to be one of my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, but I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. And I would say that if anybody listening is a fan of Guillermo del Toro, uh, or if, you know, something like that, kind of like a horror movie, but also kind of like a fable, kind of like a fairy tale sort of a thing, dark, but not too dark, uh, a little bit of light in it. I mean, it was just a really well done film, a really good way to spend an evening. And I would definitely recommend it. Not, you know, not the best movie I've ever seen. But super worth watching. So I, I thought it was quite good. Well, good. I'm glad. I looked it up on IMDb while you were talking about it just to see if I could glean any info from it. And I could not. I don't know who the cinematographer is. I don't know who the director is. I mean, I'm sure they're talented and obviously know what they're doing based on your recommendation. But I was just, when you started talking about the lighting, I was like, ooh, I wonder who the cinematographer was because it's like the nerd in me wanting to know. But I mean, probably because it's a foreign film. I don't know. I pretend like I know every cinematographer ever that's ever done a movie, but I don't, and I didn't know who this one was, so whoops. I mean, the fact that you might even be able to name one cinematographer is pretty impressive to me because that is something that I just don't know anything about. <laughs> so I give you props for that. I give you props for even looking it up. That's pretty impressive to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed like, uh, you know, not a huge production, uh, but very well done and overall just really worth the time. So, you know, if you ever want to get into something like that, I thought that was a good one. And, and I'm sure people listening, if you if you like those kind of things, this is a good one. It's on Netflix. So if you're if you got Netflix, it's free. You know, don't got to rent it or anything. So there you go. Um, that is all I have. sir. you got anything else uh, on your plate? Um, I don't think so. I think that's probably it for me. I feel like stuff happened to me this week, but I just have no recollection of anything. So... Um, yeah, I don't have anything else important to say. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, I say we wrap it up, and let's actually start talking about some games. What do you say? I can get behind that. All right, let's talk about some games.